This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is powered by Lululemon. With 44 stores across Australia and New Zealand, you can shop the latest range either in-store or online at lululemon.com.au to find your well-being. Episode number 317 of the Inside Rain Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Not a lot of running news to talk about this week, but it's still a loaded show. We've got a Pat Tiernan interview at the end of it. Jessica Stenson's popping in for a chat about halfway through. We're going to preview the big weekend of running, which is ahead of us with Valencia, Fukuoka and Zadapek all happening this coming weekend. And we'll be doing the uh, Moose on the Loose, maybe listen to question if we've got time, um, a couple of weekly recaps to get through. So thanks for giving us your ear for probably the next two hours. Uh, Julian Spence, my co-host, down in Anglesey, how are you going this week? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Busy. Busy this week. Bit happening. Christmas rush. Nah, just same old shit. Oh, you were at that conference, gets... weren't you? Yeah, and then all, everything's like, all the orders are due, like, two days after and okay. uh, when you've got order a lot of shoes i used to be up when this when i had ballarat and in the first few years it was just real easy because you're not ordering many shoes and and as the store grows and the brands um like i guess they get bigger more options in their range that kind of stuff like different categories of shoes then the online world is is now with us, so I've got to be a little bit more analytic when I buy. Analytical. Okay. Before I introduce Crokes, like, is that a cutoff with the brand tomorrow, or for your like store? Brand. Brand. Okay. So everyone who's in the running retailer world is like placing their order with, say, brand Asics tomorrow. Unless they've been better prepared than me and and done it or before that, earlier. yeah, yeah, yeah. However, yeah. they they only have samples for a certain period of time before the, the the cutoff. So some people might not even see the samples in the range showing until two days before cutoff, and so they have to. Uh, they can't. I mean, some people will order without seeing stuff, but I like to to see, feel, play with the shoes that I'm going to be buying. My other co-host is two seventeen marathoner up in Canberra. How are you, Bradley? Good mate. Busy, busy as always. Oh, school teachers. You think you know, shoe store owners right? are busy? Imagine well, school teacher life I, at this, this I, time. I reckon if people went back and listened to our early uh, episodes when Moose had the Ballarat store, he'd probably get on every week going, "Yeah, flat out busy." And now he says, "No, that was easy." Two that moose, was it. <laughs> two Moose's defence sales. I, I was talking to Carly about this the other day. You only know what you're living in. Like, I remember being at uni thinking I was busy. And then you yeah. get a job and you're like, oh, this is hard. I'm busy. I've got a job and I've got to run. And then you get kids and you think you're busy. Yeah. Like, having one kid, you think it's the hardest thing in the world until you have two kids. <laughs> but that's all you so, know, isn't it? Like, so you can't judge people. Yeah. Very true. Sure. Yeah. Although, I still look at some people and think, 
you're not busy. You have the easiest life ever. But, and they, I'm not... but they don't know it because that's the busiest they are. So I've got yeah. more empathy for them. I know, but just don't try to tell me you're busy. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard to tell people how busy they are. Let's uh, get into some recaps, eh? Because we've got a bit of a schedule tonight that we need to stick to to um, ensure we get Jessica Stenson in here at the right time. Croaks, you want to go first this week? Uh, yep, I had a actually pretty good week. Um, so Tuesday was my first run, and that was a track session. So we did eight by 600 meter reps, and we alternated the rest uh, between one minute and then 90 seconds. So the idea was to run one rep closer to like 5K pace and then have a minute recovery run the next rep closer to like 3K pace and then have 90 seconds recovery. Um, it sort of, you know, I'd, I'd say that the fast rep was somewhere between 3K and 5K pace and the fast rep was 3K pace. Um, yeah, so I went like 151, 148, 152, 147, 152, 149, 151, 147. So I guess 148's like three minute Ks. Um, yeah, like it was difficult. Like I haven't, I haven't run this fast for a while, but the 90 second recovery I found after every second rep was enough to feel like I'd recovered to be able to get through two more sort of faster 600 meter reps. So um, yeah, like I was pretty happy with that. So I guess, what was it like? Maybe 305s to, th- yeah, three fives to three tens for the slower rep and three minute Ks roughly for the, for the faster rep. So that was good. Um, and then on the Wednesday, uh, just my standard uh, hour, um, ran four seventeens for that. Thursday is my another rest day. And then Friday morning was five by six minute reps. Um, I was actually pretty tired Friday morning. I think we'd had a couple of hotter days, um, plus the Tuesday track session, just being on the track and running faster, like my calves were actually pretty um, pretty sore uh, for a couple of days and I just felt beat up. So I wasn't expecting too much from Friday's session, but it actually ended up being really good. So yeah, we did five by six minutes, one minute jog in between. Um, first two reps were sort of out into a small headwind, uh, and then the two reps back were into a tailwind, and then the last rep was half and half. So I went 325, 324, 322, 322, 317. And if anything, like the longer this session went, the better I felt. Like the first two reps, I was thinking to myself, yep, the, the last few weeks have caught up with me, or, you know, 70K a week, I'm sort of lacking a bit of strength for these longer reps. But then, sort of rep three and four, my back and hips started just to loosen off a little bit. So then I've actually felt like I was just moving better and I was a bit more efficient in those last three reps. So um, yeah, I ended up averaging like 327 for the whole like 34 minutes, um, which was which was very encouraging um, given how it how it felt. Um, yeah, are, you so. running, are you running these to your heart rate? Uh, not really, I was running with Zach. Um, so I've sort of slowly over the last what six weeks, I've slowly moved through the through the groups. Um, it was more about just keeping him in that zone where, when you finish six minutes, you don't need a full minute to recover, and you know, thirty to forty-five seconds into the recovery, you're good to go again. Which, while you're doing the reps, for that to happen, you one your breathing needs to be like really under control, and also I feel like you you need to be really on top of your form. And so they they were more my cues rather than my heart rate. 
Does that yeah. that make sense, Moose? That sort of you, yeah. you know when you're working too hard, it's like okay, if my breathing's becoming laboured when I finish this rep, I'm going to need the full minute, um, and I probably can't do much in that minute. Whereas just having to look at it, the minute recoveries were like 417, 406, 416, 419. So it's not you know it's not standing, Close. it's not well yeah, it's mm, like it's good jogging. It's it's not standing around, which ah. is a, is a good sign that I'm you know obviously recovering because I'm able to then go into another rep at low 320s so and and to put it in perspective i think three weeks ago i did four of these reps um off one minute jog and probably averaged like 331s for the whole session and this time I averaged like 327s but i was like i was pretty much done after four reps three weeks ago like i, I would have really struggled to do to have done a fifth so that was um yeah that was a promising sort of session for me the heart rate uh, data is pretty good as well like yeah, you didn't average higher that. than 170 until the last one. Mm. And that was a yeah. 317 base. Yeah, so... When you were when we did that workout mm. in Bathurst, yeah. um, what heart rate were you working to then? Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing it was probably, sim- it was probably similar. I don't know. We'll put it this way. I, I was definitely probably working... I felt like I was working harder in Bathurst than I was for this one towards the, the last sort of... You know, the last rep, definitely. So you reckon you're fitter now than when you were at Bathurst? Well, I think we're running those a little bit... Uh, we'll run those a little bit faster, maybe. Um, and I also, don't know. I reckon, oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's about I, the same. Maybe a tough... Yeah, I reckon similar, though, because I was only just back into running again. Remember, I, I, um, I wasn't running this time last year. I'd hurt my calf. So I only started back at the beginning of January. So I reckon I was about a month into sessions when I, when I did that one. So I'm, I'm probably in similar shape. Bathurst was definitely a bit more uh, like undulating and, you know, we're on gravel, whereas this is just bike path or like, you know, bitumen. Yeah. You would have yeah. started faster in Bathurst as well. Like he got this first, the first two at 324, 20, 25 average helps. Yeah. I'll have to, to, actually, while you're doing your recaps, I'll have a quick look to see what we actually did for that session. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was, I was happy, happy with how things are progressing off sort of what I'm doing. Remember, um, um, remember, Zaka had a good session that day. <laughs> Zaka, was it? Two, I think it was three minutes into the first rep. Like, boys, got to go to the toilet. <laughs> that was his excuse. <laughs> Didn't see him again. Actually, last time, then when we saw him, he had the phone out, taking some, taking some film oh, for us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> went into work mode. <laughs> yeah uh yes yeah, so that was friday saturday i just jumped on the treadmill because viv um headed down to wollongong for fashions on the field so i had the kids uh so that was a nice easy way to get a run done them just playing out in the driveway while i was on the treadmill so that was um yeah just put it on 12 k an hour ran for 35 minutes heart rate was really good there it's like i think 125 average or something um and then yeah two hours with jack and and Rob around Mulligans on, oh, sorry, I didn't do two hours, I did 90 minutes on Sunday. The other guys did two hours. Uh, yes, I did 21K uh, in just over 90 minutes, um, 4.22 average. And so that was a week of 170, oh, sorry, week of 74K. Okay, so you're a bit Internet's there, gone, mate. yeah. All right, that's my week. Just come back at the end there. You sound a bit better now. 74.6, Brad. Yep. It's good though. Yep. Some so faster stuff, some world. threshold stuff, my... 90 minutes. Yeah, good balance. Enjoy my running. Body's, body's good. Do something about that internet while Moose recaps his week. 
All right. Put you on that yeah. job for the next, next, next 35 minutes while Moose goes. That's no good there, Croaks. Every week, I reckon. Canberra <laughs> thing. Uh, I, you, yeah, I was coming off this sore knee down week, and and uh, yeah, I ran in the morning, eight k just around home. Jumped on the treddy in the Arvo for for six k. That it seems to be really good. My knee on the treadmill, just I put it on a, a like a high incline to take a bit of load off the knee. No downhill that comes with that, so the heart rate can go up a bit, but the the pace is slower and a bit bit better on the knee. So that was um, that was just a two short doubles. Because the Tuesday long run was short, I moved the workout to Tuesday. Worked better for the week. Got in there, started to run, started the warm up. I reckon it was pretty early. Not t- doesn't show you times anymore, does it? Or maybe mm, it does. Click on it. Not on a. If you're with a group, it doesn't. Anyway, I think it was like six o'clock start, maybe. Uh, so it was pretty pretty early around Deakin. I did a workout. I ran ten minute threshold, and I did that on the track. So, what was it about? Look, it was. I think it was three. I was. So this is right. The GPS is not accurate on the track, and we know that, don't we? Yes, yeah, generous. For anyone listening out there. GPS does not work on the track. I think we just need to tell. I think it needs to be like emphasized. Unless you're on track mode setting on your watch, and then it works perfectly fine. Yeah, well, it's not really G. It, I guess it's GPS still. But if you try, if you're going off pace, average pace, and you're running around the track, it's so wrong. So I was running I, lane one as like tightest route, and so 400 meters every lap, and I was hitting. 317 per uh, K split for this 10 minutes. And I hit 317 three goes in a row. And my average pace for that rep, if you look there, what does it say? 310. 310, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, and so I, I'm going to start finding people that do this and run it and then claiming their split times running on the track. It's just wrong. It's good when um, like influencers or people doing it during COVID, they were doing 5K time trials on athletic tracks and then you yeah. could zoom in and see where they start and finish. And that would finish <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. 150 metres back from where they actually um, should be finishing. 100%. But their watch said 5.0, so they just stop it. Mate, it's happened a few times around Geelong to some more established kind of runners slash triathletes as well. And it's, they, what they do is they hide the map after that. So that you can't see, okay. like it's so it's just deception. But uh, then I jumped in with a couple of guys doing some 400s. So I wanted to run three minute pace or faster for those. And 72, 71, 71, 72, 71, 70, 71, 71. We were taking 45 seconds rest, and then 10 minutes. I went and got out on the road for this last 10. Bit too much time on the track. I uh, ran that to heart rate, average heart rate. I wanted to stay under 175 and ran 316s. So good workout. Didn't Nothing crazy, but didn't hurt my knee. My knee actually handles the intensity fine. I sold it a bit in the cool down. So probably pretty even, like 317s for the first one, 315s for the last yeah, one. Heart rate was higher. I'm real. I have a heap of trouble getting going on that first couple I'm of reps. Because you couldn't get up early. Yeah, like croaks. 
it's the first one's a warm up for me. Yeah. And and I, I noticed that on Friday workout as well, which I'll get to. But it, what I'm going to do with future races, I'm going to do a long sort of tempo interval before the start just to get rid of that. Because the, the difference between my first rep and my second is just stupid different when I'm doing threshold intervals. But is your perceived effort still high in the first one? Although your heart rate doesn't yeah, get up? Is. Yeah, yep, same. it is. Yeah. And I think it's the it's the running efficiency. It's like mm. the efficiency of the body is poor. Yeah. But and you you're having to fight to get to the pace and the heart rate you need. But oh, uh, I have thoughts. I'm like, I'm not going to get through this workout today. If this is how yeah. I feel in the first set, and then you just come good in the second or third I rep. I, I like I'll, on Friday. I did on Friday. I did um, uh, three by four by seven minutes, and three minutes in, I looked down at my watch. I'm like. Geez, I'm going all right here on this river path, and the pace was showing 3:32, and I, and I'm like, what the fuck is going? I ran 3:17, 3:16s on Tuesday, and now I'm seven minutes in, and I'm running 3:32 pace. This is ridiculous. And then I got it down by the end of the rep to 3:26, but then the next rep, 3:15, and that felt like easy. Yeah. And then 3.12 felt e- – like I'm not pushing for these paces. I'm pushing to hit 3.30s in the first rep. So that's where you need to, Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. That's where you, I think that's where you need to be really disciplined because if you're not activated and, and you don't have quite the mobility that you should have at the start of a session and you're a slave to the watch, you can definitely start working in a zone that you shouldn't be for the session. Yeah, you just got to accept it. And the point you're making here, Moose, is you're starting to work out at 6.30 a.m. Yeah, that's and, true. Like, we're old and we've got K's in the legs. Like, you know, fatigue's building. Yeah, and look, I'm going to just see how it goes, implement this longer tempo rep. Maybe, I'm thinking maybe like a three-minute tempo or something. Maybe like at, um, not threshold, probably a little slower, just to see how we go. Yeah, I'll, try it. I'll try it on Wednesday morning. I just give myself permission to run the first one slower. Like, if my goal for the workouts to get down to 3.15, so I just say, as long as the first one's around 3.20, I'm happy. Yeah, that's okay, but I'm in a race. Yeah, oh, yeah, get, yeah. I yeah, want to prepare that, the first for a two race. Labs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So we got a um, 3K penciled in just on the morning, like just a workout morning. I think it's going to be the 13th of December, so that'll be like a bit of a tester. And then I get a brush. Yeah. I like this is, from you, just to get, yeah, get a bit of a gauge of fitness. Throw it out to the group and just thought, hey, everyone, come and see where we're at, basically. Yeah. Before we get into the like the surf coast track night. By the way, if anyone hasn't entered that, that's filling up real fast, and you will genuinely miss out. Like, we don't make any money off this, so I'm not I'm not trying to pump it up, <laughs> but you'll miss out if you don't enter, and it's going to be a pretty fun night. Moose, you um, you going? You going all out for this 3K or you're doing uh, the soft option like Brady and then sort of turning it into a workout? Just do a workout, Moose. <laughs> Not a chance. There is no way. I need to crush everyone around me. I yeah. need to be the kid. Good thing I crushed Sunday. everyone and I did a workout. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. That's a bit of a – it's a bit of a soft move to crush – like you beat Archie, did you? No, Archie wasn't there. I beat a 15-year-old kid. Yeah, there we go. There was, yeah, there, was right. there was kids who ran like 8.15 and 8.19 at Vic Myler's watching on the sideline. This was just the old hacks on Tuesday night. I'll talk mm, about okay. that in my week, but yeah. Yeah. But we're going to do another one, I think, same thing, because, yeah, maybe the 
I reckon it's 9th of December the next one's penciled in. 9th of December? Something like that. They do them on Tuesday night. Every Tuesday night at Bendigo, they do a 3 or 5K race. And like some people rock up, but then Andy's been getting in the habit of saying, like, circling one a month and everyone goes to it. Except the one you did. That was the one I did. Yeah, it was big crowds. But we've got to get oh, some crowds, of crowds, but no one racing. We are, well, we could, yeah, we've got to get a few more people running sub nine. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how the group goes because there's a fair few rivalries developing within the, yeah, like within the group. And this will be fun to watch. Might, um, might live stream it. Just, just back off your Sunday long run before that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'll be some nerves getting around that morning. The old, like, 6 a.m. start time. Everyone just rolling out for a big-time race. Uh, long run. Sort of got through a few other runs. Nothing real important. Ran around Melbourne a bit. Fuck, I don't know how people do it. I honestly don't. Neither do I. I <laughs> it just blows my mind that people can run 100 miles around, like, one little suburb in Melbourne crazy uh the work the the long run we got a shitload of rain do you guys get that yeah real storm yeah sunday friday night storm come through yeah we had a storm saturday night but mulligans holds up really well in the wet yeah that's good yeah well the 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 roads here have been terrible they're in super sandy so we would have helped a bit the um the rain just to flatten them a little bit but I, I decided we're going to go on a trail run. So we, we, you can see from the map all the little curves, the single track. This is like mountain bike path, basically. Really nice hiking trails and good trail running. Uh, it's pretty technical. It's pure single track. So there's no like running next to someone. It's just strung out in a line the whole way. And a lot of it is uh, rocky. Uh, it's quite rooty. It's, it's good fun. Makes the time go quick. I ran two hours. I was pretty happy to get two hours in. I fell early, so at about the, I'm going to say the 4K mark, 5K mark, I just fucking stubbed into this rock that I didn't even see and just went down slow motion type style, <laughs> like just rolled into the into the bush. And I was just angry at myself for, for doing something so stupid. I'm like, focus, look at where you're going. This is dumb. Made me. I don't know why I got angry about it, but I did. I fucking got pissed off at myself. But then didn't didn't get that again. Everyone stayed up. A few complained about the mud out there. There was some fire roads we had to go down that were real muddy. But I was like, my knee held up really well. It gave me a lot of confidence. So I got two hours in and 4:42 over those trails. That's actually a pretty good, pretty good effort from from the fellas. There was no girls on this run. Um, but yeah, so what was my case for the week? 123. That was pretty good for me considering I was coming back from the, the sore knee and and also had the work thing on which limited a, a little bit of mileage. And now I, hopefully I can build this week and get back up to that 135, 140 mark, but I'm not gonna force it. If the knee still plays up, then, then I'm just gonna stick around this mark, which I, I can handle, I reckon. 12 weeks yesterday to Osaka. Have I got that oh, really? right? I don't know. It's 25th of Feb, isn't it? It's just gone the 27th of November today. Must be 12, maybe 13. Um, I'd, I'd when, say when it would be... When were you to go marathon-specific block? Well, probably around the 20th of December. Let me have a quick look. Um, 
I've got a few plans for others doing Osaka drawn up, and I'm just kind of piggybacking off them. It was 13, so, 13 weeks, Brady. The week, weekend just gone, yeah. Well, you've got a bit of time anyway to fully make sure the knee's right. Yeah, it'll be around the 18th of December. We'll start to do a bit. Maybe the maybe Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve is a Sunday, so it'll be a good day to get a good long run in, recover on Christmas Day, and and then the, the Surf Coast Track Club 10K or 5K, whatever you're doing, is going to be on the, the 7th, 6th of um, January. So that'll pre- that, that's a bit annoying because it sits in the first couple of weeks of, of the good marathon stuff and kind of have to taper in and recover out. That's why I don't like racing during marathon blocks, but I think it'll be good for me. Super shoes on the track. Oh, yeah. That will Absolutely. Help. Yeah, I can know. It, yeah, well, yeah, it'll help. It'll help, but you still got to adjust your training for it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose depends no, on how you fast don't. you want to run. Well, it's the one. I think you run very good ten k of strength stuff. You still got to taper. Like, yeah, I know you got to taper. But race. you're not going to do quick four hundred meter reps. You're just going to keep them similar. What you're doing? Just yeah, do a whole lot of them oh, in I'm seventy. Gonna... I'm going to do a little bit, like, I'm going to start to transition up, like, this week forward. I'm going to start to do some, introduce some VO2 stuff, some faster work around 3, 5K pace that's a bit longer. I'm, I've polarized it a fair bit at the moment. Like, my fast stuff's been short, and my um, I've done a heap of threshold, so I need some stuff in the middle now. Okay. I swear hey, you um, said a week ago that you weren't doing that. Do I make that up, Crocs? Uh, doing what? You didn't need to go quicker than threshold pace? No, 10K pace. Maybe mm, I'm no, that was, Maybe I that was that a was, listener question. I think that was the chat about listener question, I yeah, think. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for a marathoner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the and, block before the marathon block. Yeah. Yeah. And moves 321s down to 314s in Bathurst. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so you started quicker. Started quicker, finished quicker, and we weren't doing, weren't doing much in the recoveries. Tra- travelled further this last Friday because I was able to jog at a decent pace. But I was, I was definitely working harder in Bathurst than I was on Friday. Did you have 60 seconds in Bathurst? Yeah, we had 60 seconds, but we'll, we're, we're, not, we're pretty much walking, shuffling. Yeah, so, we were standing. We're, pretty much, st- we're yeah. pretty much standing, yeah. 60 second but, jog off a six minute like, effort if you're doing yeah. it too hard, sort you out. As, yeah, you, yeah, as your point, the point I, you, you wouldn't be able to do that workout if you were doing it too hot. Yeah, I needed the full minute in Bathurst on, on these paces on the gravel. Yeah, like, and that, I needed the full minute at sort of standing recovery. Yeah, yeah. you know what I, I think is a good. You know how you were describing your effort required for those reps. Yeah, I, I reckon a good cue for that would be that about halfway into the rep, if you got a minute long uphill you'd be able to buffer that pretty easy if you were at the right effort mm. but if you got a minute long hill and you were running too hard it would fuck you up yeah yeah you should have the like there should be the the ceiling above you to be able to go up a hill and mm. and be strong up it which, which for me that that comes back to that breathing cue because if i'm starting to already get labored and then you know on the flat and then I got to the hill, like I'm already cooked. Whereas yeah. Zach, Zach, who I was doing the session with, like he sort of struggled over the last rep and a half, and I could I could sense that his you know breathing was getting a little bit laboured on the you know during the fifth rep or the fourth rep. Um, and so that was my cue for him. It's like, all right, you need to just you know not go any harder than this because you're working too hard. 
that's that's the cue for you to sink the food in and just <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah tell me just... croaks were you looking at the pace on the minute jogs no i wasn't good no i actually told him on the i'd have that so turned I'm... off and you're like what pace do i need a jog to recover yeah so don't go chase the pace after the our fourth rep i said to him because i, I sensed that he was breathing a bit hard i said look just let's slow this recovery Shuffle. down like we, we don't need yeah. to do it like you know i prefer you to feel good in the six minute reps i don't care about the recovery spot on yeah 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 and it doesn't it's going to look less sexy on strava because you're going to cover less distance mm-hmm. but you're doing the workout properly yeah all right that's about your week yeah. your 3k uh hey how many k 160. Your 3K, your 3K. Oh, my 3K, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I did my long run last Saturday, so I had um, had a bit more pop in the legs on the Monday. Ran 13K in the morning at 4.25, did some strides, then did 6K in the afternoon at 4.40s. And then Tuesday morning, I just did half an hour because in the afternoon, I drove to Bendigo. So as I said, they do these uh, races every Tuesday night. And Andy had kind of um, teed up that a lot of people he coached in town and a lot of Bendigo Bat locals were going to, uh, yeah, toe the line and do a 3K. So they had, I think, three races, two heats of 3K, and there was a 1K race as well, like split start boys for the 3K. I was on the stagger in about fifth position. It wasn't a great place to start. And then, um, yeah, there was a young fellow, 15-year-old Avery, who Andy coaches, and he said he wanted to try and run about 8.45, so I said, well, I'll take the first 900 metres, get him into the straight, and then his deal, or well, the deal was that he'd take the next two laps and then would go from there in the last, um, oh, that gave us 100 metres to go coming into getting three laps to go, and I knew he'd ran, oh, I think he ran 152 for an 800 a few weeks ago, so I was hoping to kind of like, when I went to the front with three laps to go, wind things up, and um, yeah, we got out pretty good, went through the first K in like 2.52, and then he kind of struggled a bit. It was really windy, like 18, 20k an hour winds, I reckon it says on my Strava. But it felt windier than that. You've run on Bendigo track before, Moose. Super windy yeah. track. Always how, windy there. How old was this guy, Brady? 15. So 15. Why, did, why didn't you just pace him the whole way? Like 8.45 for you, you could have just, he could have sat in. No, but I got there and Andy's like, oh, I'll take a lap each. I was like, no, no, I'll take the first like two and a half laps. We'll, we'll settle into a pace here. Should have taken the whole lot. You gotta learn how to pace. You don't just get things handed to you in life. <laughs> oh, I don't know, I reckon when you're fifteen, come on. Mate, if you're fifteen and can run one fifty two or whatever, you can do some work. You would have learned a good lesson. Um so and he slowed I reckon we slowed to about seventy one, seventy two for the laps he did. And then I did think about really dogging him croaks because there was a massive headwind coming up the home straight and he'd done his two laps to get us to the top of the home straight. And I thought, oh, just sit in here, get this 100 metres and then kick home with three laps to go. But then I thought, nah, Brady, he's just a 15-year-old kid, go around him. And then I come home in 2.49, which I was pretty happy with. Like, you're lapping people. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah it wasn't the, like, mace, like massive like Vic Miles Club kind of like atmosphere. Um, so I ran 8.43. I think Avery ran about 9.13 in the end. Um, it was good. It was a good little workout. Like, it's, running on the track is is fun. Like, it was like a blur. It didn't feel like a real, like, elite kind of race, but I still got those endorphins that you get when you kind of go to the track and you try to run fast. Um, I really loved it. I come home buzzing afterwards. Um, yeah, it was Big good win. fun. Yeah, big big win. What do you reckon you could have run if you just went, all right, I'm just going to run this as hard as I can and I'm not going to do a session afterwards? On that night, like same conditions yeah. in Bendigo? Yeah. Oh, 8.35 maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, 
I said to Andy afterwards, I said, if that was Vic Miles Club and I didn't have to lead like five and a half of the seven and a half laps, um, I reckon I could probably run close to like 8.30 with a, like, with a pack and maybe if I freshened up a bit more. Yeah. Which I think if I'm in 8.30 shape, that's, that's okay going. Um, like I said to him on the start line, like I think if we go under 8.50, that's a good good run in these conditions. Um, but you do get the tailwind as well. Like it's, you're flying out the back straight. But the, yeah, the home straight was hard work. So then I kind of walked around for a while, and then I did a 4K threshold. My chorus uh, heart rate monitor played up on me, though, Moose. I don't know if it – because it was perfect during the 3 k and then I went out to the road to to do the um, the threshold, expecting, like, this is the number I've re- really got to watch here because I'm not sure how high my heart rate is post the race. But it was kind of jumping all over the place, so I just kind of went on effort in the end, did a 4K, like, around this oh, – you would have heard of the wedge, pretty famous loop in Bendigo near the athletes' track. Oh, Jamie, who runs that? Jamie Cooks, yeah, the Beast Wedge, it's called. The Beast. I have, yep. I've been shown this loop before, the famous loop, this. Yeah, that's the one. So um, I did a yeah loop of that, which is about 4K in um, three, oh, what was it, like maybe 317 average pace, and then jogged back into the track, had two minutes and did five by 400s in like 67, 68, off 45 seconds, like walking around. So it was good. It was just good to, yeah, have a bit of a rust buster. It was good to see how the effort feels compared to what the effort feels like on the grass track. Like I've been doing a lot of work at like 69, 70 on the grass track. And I'm like, I don't know what this actually means. Whereas now I kind of know what that effort means when I get on a synthetic track. So yeah, it was good. Just good to get amongst people. Good community of people down there and yeah, good stuff to do. Um, Wednesday got out for 55 minutes in the morning. It was meant to be an hour, but I was a bit late getting out the door. Um, Thursday, 20K at 4.13s, and then 30 minutes in the afternoon. And then Friday, I did, uh, it was windy again, this one. And this is a good example of what you were talking about, Moose, about the paces being a bit all over the place early. So I was, I was trying to go five minutes under threshold, five minutes over, times four. Um, but the first one was like 3.16. I just could not get it going. Like I really wanted to try and hit like 3.10, 3.08 kind of pace. But couldn't get it going, but the perceived effort was super high. So I went 316 and then 331 for the float, and then 308, 326 for the float, 313, 329 for the float, and then 304, 318. You can pretty much tell from those splits where the headwind and tailwind was. Um, so all up, I come out at 12k at 318s, half an hour in the afternoon at 441s. Saturday. You know, yep. before you jump off, yes. Before you you know the. I, I do this w- workout in reverse where I do a slow reverse. Yeah, it just works out better for me because I can get up, I, I can get rid of that warm up without having to try to find the fast split. Yeah. And then when then I can change, then I can lap it and all of a sudden I'm feeling heaps better. Oh, yeah. And you don't yeah. finish on a float that you, way too. Yeah, you finish on the hard as well. Yeah, you do, which is nice. Yeah, yeah I might try that. Yeah. Um, Saturday, 15K in the morning, 440s, and then 7K in the afternoon. And then Sunday was a real treat. We had uh, four people on the long run, which is absolutely amazing because I reckon I've done a long run out here. Uh, I reckon I've done maybe 10, 12 long runs out this place this year, and I've only ever had one person. Crammer's come with me one week, but we had Archie, who was back from Falls Creek. We had Ryan Crammery. Um, so when I say my mate Crammers, this is his little brother, Ryan Crammery from the Surf Coast Track Club. And we had Olympian, Ali Pashley, all come out. And it was just great just having people on your local tracks. You could talk to them. You didn't have to worry about bringing an iPod. 
we did like an hour out and back and then um that got us back to the cars and then i always get back to the cars and then do like there's this like 2k hill to finish off so i kind of got the top of the hill and then come back down it to kind of get to yeah i think i was 32 and a half k 407s heart rate a bit lower than last week boys 143 average but just great to have company great to have some conversations just um ali was like pointing out like because she's from there her family's there so at the meeting spot i was like oh so where's your family and she's like see those silos over there like that's my my family silos and i'm just like wow it's like two or two minutes to drive there Could what do you mean her family her family lives in torquay no so her family like is from um a place called colburn Abbon. yeah but like at what stretch do you start to call, like when you say, oh, that's my family solos, cousins don't count third, as family. Third cousins? Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Her nan like, and stuff. I think there's a lot of family ties in Colburn Abbon for that family. Way more than it's down the surf coast. Oh, if I said she that. She was saying they're all moving back. Saying that's my family house. I would have wanted to have lived there at some point. Or my bro- or my mum and dad have lived there and my brothers live there or something. Well, Arnie owns the pub. Like, and the pub's the only building in the town. Yeah, so that's, that's significant in country towns. Whoever owns a pub, big players in the town. Like you know, I, owning that, farms and stuff in farming communities is a big deal. Yeah, how rich are farmers, by the yeah, way? Yeah, heaps they of money are, coming out of that talk family. About, talk about wealth. Nah, they're not going farmers too good at the moment. Because I was talking to the um the the sheep farmer the other day, and they were saying they've got to hold cattle at the moment because they're not getting good prices for them. Yeah, Even though well, lamb costs a fortune, but they're, they're not passing on to the consumers. Only $2 million profit this year. Yeah, I Go, don't know. Government will bail them out. I don't know. Farmers do it pretty hard. Oh, it wouldn't be an they easy have job. They a hard life. That's the path that they chose, the hard life. They, no one got into farming thinking they'd be waking up at 9.30 in the morning and knocking off at 3. This bloke croaks. He tees off on teachers. Now he's teeing off on farmers. Well, like. What about... All right, next time Moose, you jump on at the start of an episode and say, boys, I'm so bloody busy. It's like, all right, Moose, you chose that life. Stop complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just (laughs) stating I'm busy. But what, you reckon farmers farmers shouldn't complain about waking up early? They look weathered when you see them. It doesn't look like an easy life. I see you when I see you. You're nice and tan, relaxed, like no wrinkles. Like farmers are doing it tough, mate. It's definitely blue collar. It is. Farmers are as tanned as ever. I've got this real theory that if, if I think your job would be hard to do, I respect it. And that's what I think you need to start looking at. Could what you, about dairy, could you what about go, dairy farmers? Yeah, so milking three single, times a day. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day. Yeah, mate. You've got to do it every every day of the year. Yep, they knew that when they signed up to buy a dairy farm. Unlike shoe, stop, shoe shops, they're not, uh, not open on Christmas Day. It's yeah. the path they chose and it's the path I chose. You're only open 10 to 2, aren't you, most days? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it was a good long run. We were working hard. We were were getting stuff done. They're fit, those two moose. Ryan Cramery was impressive up the hills. Ali's getting fit. Neither of them are that fit. Ali's definitely not fit, but she knows how to bring an ego with her, and she wasn't going to let you. She does Oh, she does First message I got from one of the boys, oh, the ego's back here. She doesn't run that fast in our group ever. She leaves the group, and all of a sudden, ego's out. Ashley's back in town in Colburn Abbott or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> the Queen returns. I've got to show everyone how fast I am. I'm going to push this long run. And the question is, uh, why, why don't you do that on a regular Sunday run? Because you're not trying to impress anyone. You go to Colburn Abbott or whatever the place is called. Because she knows you have to listen to this for, the, yeah, for exactly. an hour and a half. The ego <laughs> appears. The ego is back strong. And I don't mind that. I like the ego. The ego is what makes her great. But it's big. 
It's a really big ego. A couple of times going up a hill, she's like, you guys just run off. Like, no, nah, we stick together out here. Like, one in, all in. That's how we do it. Not going to drop someone in the middle of a paddock at Colburn Abbott. Well, fucking Ryan Cranberry, 229 guy, shouldn't be dropping the 226 girl. He dropped, how... he dropped Archie and Alley up one of the big hills. Yeah. And I well, was that... next to him. We get three quarters of the way up, and he just turns to me and goes, geez, Collingwood's looking pretty good for this year. Like, my heart rate's at 160, and this bloke's having a conversation. Yeah. You know what? Solid flex from him. <laughs> That's like, good surf coast. Like, good surf coast, man. That. Stop talking. Well, his talk is coming back. He wants to run with his brother Luke next year for the bats. Yeah, really that's funny. He used to be what? dismissive of it, but he started to um, excite that idea. I think. What, him in the first and Luke in the fifth. Yeah, nah, Div two. I think we are next year. Div one and Div two. But anyway, we've got to thank some Patreon supporters because Jess Stenson's coming in in two minutes. Who you got, Crooks? Uh, I got Richard Bidgood from. Alton in the UK. He follows Clousey on Strava, uh, none of us, and his primary club is Winchester and District Athletics Club. He's run 16.29 for 5K at the Battersea Friday night under lights, 34.24 at the 2021 Telford 10K, 74.59 at the 2022 Surrey Half, and 2.36 at last year's London Marathon. Uh, he may work for IBN, IBM, sorry, but uh, yeah, not 100% sure on that one. But thanks for your support, Richard. Good on you, Richard. Any chance of a follow would be fantastic. Yeah, you probably stopped following Clousey. Yeah. <laughs> hasn't, yeah. been on, hasn't been anything there for a couple of years. Not going to get much from him. Who you got, Moose? Uh, Eric Molman. So Molman is from Norway. Another Norwegian, love that. You know how you know someone's Norwegian? Because their O's have a line through it. Yeah. Yeah. But but do you pronounce it as O? Is it like do you have to pronounce it a different way? Oh god. Because it may not be mole mole man. It might Reckon, be. Yeah. Why don't they just write it with a normal? Well, because o? because other vowels have different like sounding like sounds. I love how you're trying to make it as if you actually know the answer here. You got no friggin' idea. No. Well, I'm just saying if they wanted it to sound different, shouldn't they just use a different vowel? Hmm. You know yeah. you can't buy alcohol on a Sunday in Norway? Really? Yeah, we got talking about it on the monthly. We got off topic on a few things, and that was one of them. Why? Because of religion. Well, we're talking about actually paying. I was talking about paying your slab back that I owe you. Yeah. And then I said, oh, I'll go to the bottle shop tomorrow morning on the way to the long run and pick up a slab and give it to Ali so she can give it to you. And then I said, actually, that's probably not a good look going to the bottle shop at like 7 a.m. in the morning. And then Christian couldn't believe that it was even an option to go to a bottle shop on a Sunday morning. Huh. Weird. He said you anyway. Didn't... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Eric, mole man, he's from Norway. He's set all his PBs this year, 18-12 at the Sandstrom, Sandstrom Lopet, 5K, 37-03 at the Draman, 10K. Jeez, Draman's going Draman. all right. Christian's mm. fucking rich, isn't he? 83 <laughs> minutes at the Draman half, both Draman races, and 3.21 at the Oslo Marathon. Eric is a civil engineer. Of course he is. It's a good job to have, isn't it? Well, I guess you, so. You got respect for people that have that job? Uh, yeah, they're smarter than me. I respect those guys. They're smarter than me. But farmers and teachers aren't. <laughs> Not smarter than teachers you. Teachers definitely aren't. Teachers have, I repeat, teachers have given up on life. The minute they get into teaching degree, <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm... <laughs> I want to thank Andrew Price from uh, Melbourne. Couldn't find much info on Andrew, but he may have ran 145 at this year's Melbourne Half Marathon. 
and might be a regular at the Wyndham Vale Park Run. So a massive thanks to Andrew, Richard, and Eric for your support of the Inside Running Podcast. I did say I was going to have some news about our next Road 2 series, but Zach had told me I've got to hold off until next week. So stay tuned for that there. If this show brings you any value, you can support us at uh, patreon.com forward slash inside running podcast. You get the show every Monday night. You get bonus stuff. You get the uncut version. Um, help, Help us keep the lights on here at the Inside Running Podcast. So we really appreciate any support over there on Patreon. Our next guest, I think we've got her here, is um, a new mum, so we're going to be talking about that a bit. She's also the Commonwealth Games gold medalist. She's an Olympian, world champs, top 10 finisher as well. Thanks to Lulu Lemon for making her available tonight. Jess Stenson, have we got you? I think so. Can you hear me? We can. Just come a bit close yeah. to your mic. You're a bit quiet to start off with there, but um, yeah, right. it's good to hear your voice. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah, well, thank you. How's, uh, how's life with baby number two? Congratulations on the birth of Ali. Thank you. Yeah, she's coming up to 11 weeks old now and she's she's settled in well. She's been a, a good girl and uh, no, we're, we're loving it. It's certainly uh, busier, as you'd know, but um, a good busy. Yeah. Jess, um, how do you come up with the name, Jess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my idol, my running idol. <laughs> sure you used that joke when she was down there two weeks ago, Moose. Oh, I was a bit sensitive about it, but now it's another couple of weeks later, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, now you've towed me up um, on the hills <laughs> over your way. Uh, nah, we, I've always liked the name Ellie and it was funny early on when I was pregnant, um, Billy actually suggested that name and Dylan and I were like, well, we both love it as well. But of course he went and told people. So then we thought, oh, maybe we'll go for a different name, but came back around and, and went with our original name. Jess, I know you're only 12 weeks uh, post-birth, but how is it different? Like with Billy to look after as well the second time around and how's that kind of impacting you you kind of return to run program I guess yeah I guess I feel a bit calmer this time around returning to running with Billy everything was very new and there weren't actually as many women around in Australia who had uh, got back into marathon running after having a baby but now we've got you know a lot of females uh, who have done that recently and so there's a good little group of um, people to chat to about it and get advice from and I just think when it comes to anything sleep um, training I just feel like I'm not um, stressing as much because I've got that experience to to draw upon. Croak you got a question I've got a couple right in here but I'll give you a go to talk. Yeah um, in terms of the build back to full fitness are you further ahead of where you thought you'd be 11 weeks post-birth? Probably at this stage, Adam's given me, my coach Adam has given me um, duration sort of goals for each week. So he said, say, last week, you know, I could run for up to perhaps four hours and then it might be four hours and 15 minutes across the week. So I get to choose how I break that up and it's all just jogging. I'd love to start adding in some variety soon, but uh, Adam really wants me to just stick to, to jogging for um, a few more weeks to build the foundations um, for next year. So that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. La, um, with Billy, I think I felt more uncomfortable when I, um, you know, post-birth. I had sort of a, 
an issue on one side of my abdominals where I was getting a real sort of sharp pain when I coughed and laughed and, and that was restricting my ability to strengthen that side but I didn't have anything like that this time around and I think I, I went into the birth stronger because I'd been carrying Billy around and just generally being a bit more physical as a mum of a toddler. Yeah. And if everything went to plan uh, moving forward, when do you think you'd be in a position to start like a marathon block? Well, I'd, I'd really like to have a go at running a marathon within that qualifying period. I don't know whether a qualifier is realistic, but I'd like to be able to put myself in a position where I could uh, compete in one of the, um, you know, the major marathons later in the year. So to be able to uh, get into one of those races, you have to have a recent one on the board. I don't think my New York marathon from um, 2022, uh, which was my most recent one, would be enough to get me into one of those big races. So I think if all is going well, we'll start adding in some tempo runs in late December and then uh, build into some more marathon-specific training in mm. sort of late Jan, Feb, yeah, but that's if everything's going very smoothly. Surely Com Games champion gets you a start in some of these uh, major marathons. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, perhaps you know, the Commonwealth countries might recognise it, but, uh, yeah, not some of the others. <laughs> Has the times that the females have been running, do you think that's hurt your chances to get in races as well, Jess? Like we're seeing 2.11s, 2.13s, <laughs> 2.14s, like... You know, that it takes away from the championship wins a bit and the top 10 at the world champs and things like that. Like, do you feel that? Yeah, a bit. And I think it's just daunting when you think about getting in a race and wondering whether you're going to have anyone around you. When you've got, yeah, the front pack running times like that, there's a high you know, chance that you might be out on your own out there these days. Whereas before, you could be pretty confident in that kind of mid 20 220 time frame there'd be you know quite a lot of women so yeah it, it, it's an interesting space I mean when I was pregnant with Billy the super shoes came out so I came back from giving birth to having access to these new shoes and the times really dropped dramatically then but I feel like there's a there's been another jump in recent times it must make um mixed gender races appealing to enter like we saw For with sure. Sinead at Valencia last year. I think that was maybe one because she'd often do um, London. Um, we'd, we kind of saw it with her and how much it helped. Like we, you got, I'm not sure if you locked anything in yet or if it's too early, but is that on your radar for March, April? I haven't locked anything in, but I'm looking at a few options in April. The The goal would be to not travel too far because I'm hoping mm. that I'd still be nursing Ellie. So I'd take her with me uh Ideally, the like Dylan and Billy would stay at home, and I'd be able to um, bring somebody with me to to help with Ellie on race day. But yeah, if I didn't have to travel too far, and if we didn't have big time zone changes, that would be great. So yeah, looking at options that tick those boxes at the moment. The challenge is real, isn't it? When you start throwing all <laughs> these things into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, just timing with feeding, even with training, it's just, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> I'd obviously, the, the logistics isn't something I'd really considered when I uh, had Billy, but that's, yeah, one of the big challenges trying to work out who could look after your baby while you're out training and, and what time you'd tell them to come because feeding just, it's a bit random still at the moment. But hopefully we'll figure it, figure it all out next year. How's, um, 
how's Lululemon world versus ASICS world? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's been very engaging and, you know, they have some fantastic campaigns and I, I feel like they're very clear and, you know, the ambassadors are invited to be a part of so much and it's more than just, you know, promoting a particular product. It's a really cool experience for the ambassador as well. I know um, you've been along to some things, Brady, recently that I wasn't able to get to, but you meet some amazing people and, you know, even just some of the stories I've heard this month through Movember and actually your special series, Inside the Mind, I've really enjoyed listening to that. So certainly, uh, yeah, they, they're doing some fantastic things in the community in addition to, you know, producing products that I love. I am really enjoying the, the apparel. I got invited to a golf day today, Moose. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Nothing to do with running, but that's what we're talking about, just embracing the whole community. You, who, who, who was in your group? Uh, I don't know. Adam Scott, I think. Is he some golfer? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm seriously not joking. I'm pretty sure his name was on the um, – like he's at the golf really? day. He's not in my group, but it was yeah. – I unfortunately can't go because I've got to go to school that same day. But it was – yeah. That's off topic though. Um, Jess, how much attention are you going to be paying to Valencia on Sunday? Because these – we talked mm. about all the challenges um, around, you know, coming back – feeding, getting fit, trying to qualify for uh, Paris, but it's also ultra competitive at the same time. Yeah, it is. I think back in my earlier running years, I would have been really daunted by it, but I, I find it exciting actually because I know that I can only do what I can do and mm. I, I kind of am just driven to Im improve myself and if that results in a spot, that's fantastic, but I'm also just really excited to to watch you know this race unfold I think it's quite a unique situation where you've got girls wanting to post an Olympic qualifying time but they're also racing each other and to see how they tactically execute it will be really interesting uh, because from what I understand everyone's in flying form so yeah it'll be pretty cool to watch Glue to your the pick tracker. please your pick ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think Lisa, you know, she, she should be able to potentially run a personal best. And if that's the case, well, I think she'd be um, the first Australian. All right. Sorry. Let me break this into two more. I'm going, I'm going two questions here. Lisa for the Australian record, chances, and then who wins out of the rest? Uh feel like that record that Sinead ran she was in incredible form and it was a you know things all um fell into place for it sounds like it's just such a strong run I think she'll keep it for a bit longer and oh, can you hear me still yeah oh, um, and so <laughs> then it was <laughs> then it was the first of the rest did you say who's going to cross the line first out of Elsie Izzy and Jen and Jen yeah Correct. I, oh, I, yeah, I think I'm going to say Jen just because she has won a lot of races recently and I know her training has stepped up another level. I thought she ran quite a measured race in oh, on the Gold Coast and I, I think she could shave quite a few minutes off her time. Uh, the other two are obviously training really well as well, but I just know that when it comes to head to head, heads to heads, um, head to heads, yeah, Jen, Jen doesn't like um, 
people to pass her or she has a a knack of passing people (laughs) just before the finish line. So it'll be interesting to see if they run together uh, for a lot of the race or not. And how many of the four do you think uh, go under that 226.50 mark? I potentially think they all will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fascinating watching Sunday Arvo. Glued to the trackers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, I think there'll be some chat groups going off. Yeah. What shoes are you wearing these days, Jess? That's what I was going to ask, Moose. And also, uh, are Lululemon (laughs) uh, bringing out like a race shoe? I don't think a race shoe will be coming out at least anytime soon. I haven't had to think about race shoes because I. I haven't raced since since the Geelong 5K, actually. Oh, yeah. That's Good coming race, around that. again soon. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just be training in the shoes that I was wearing previously. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I've got to start thinking about it. I'm a bit scared to try any new shoes on um, just in case I go and get an injury or some mad blisters. But I am curious. Will um will Lulu let Lemon allow you to have a footwear sponsor? Uh, I'm not sure of the specifics there, uh, it, because they'll be bringing um, footwear out. I guess it would only be allowed to be a race footwear sponsor, mm. if possible. But yeah, it's still a bit of a, a grey area. I've got to start thinking about those things now that racing is is coming up again. Read the contract. <laughs> will you have a um a stepping stone kind of race that you'll look at jess like something in between i don't know what options would really be available at that time mm. of the year um like a run for the kids or something a bit of a nothing what distance. time is that is, is that, that like, in feb march april i don't know yeah, yeah. I don't know. maybe like... a track race um i know adelaide's hosting the adelaide track classic but i think the 5k there would be a bit competitive for where my fitness will be so um, yeah, I'd like to race um, before rather than going into a marathon cold, that's for sure, or at least have some sort of time trial where there's a bit of pressure, get some training partners in and make it feel serious. Yeah. And Jess, are you um, planning on cross-training a lot for this next uh, prep? Yeah, I think I'll need to. That's what I did in 2019 to 2020 when I was planning to run the Hamburg Marathon. So. I gave birth to Billy in November and was looking to run an April race. So this time I've got an extra six weeks, I guess. Ellie was um, born in mid-September, but I'll still be taking a pretty similar approach, I think. Rather than double running, I'll be using the elliptical and I'll try to keep the strength and conditioning in as regularly as possible this time. I let that drop once I started running last time because I just was having trouble fitting everything in and COVID restricted access to gyms as well. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, gym work's funny. This morning, I just have no idea. I was doing some trap bar um, work and I, I took my weight off and put it on the Smith machine rack where I'd got it from and I hear this oi as I walk off and I just loaded up one end of someone's bar who was doing bench presses. <laughs> so this poor guy's gone to lift it and nearly ripped his pet because I've loaded up one end. Lucky my weight's not that heavy, but I need to learn the gym etiquette. <laughs> That's good. Especially when um, you refer to it as trap bar work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure there's a word for something you did. <laughs> deadly. No, deadly. Awesome, Jess. Well, massive thanks for giving up some time on your Monday evening. I know a lot of our listeners are going to be following your progress in, um, I don't know, like it's going to be fascinating. Like I feel like there's so many challenges to come, but it's going to be exciting. And if anyone can pull it off, I think it's you. I have got a slab riding on it with Moose, actually, I think, from about <laughs> eight months ago. So uh, I'm in your corner, uh, that's for sure. Thanks, and, um, Brady. <laughs> yeah, massive thanks to Lululemon for yeah making you available tonight. No, it was good to chat. And, yeah, it'll be pretty funny after Valencia basically we're going to be waiting until next March so there's there'll be this big gap now where there'll be a lot of chat so it's exciting yeah we kind of go into the same boat now as Ali a bit don't you because she's uh she'll miss Valencia and then she'll go next year yeah that's right that was good to catch up with her the other week certainly uh you were very fit moose was he, or was no. he just doing a session no, in his long he, run? <laughs> well, he was well ahead. Ellie was sort of hanging back and helping me with directions, but Moose was uh, making sure everyone knew who was boss. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you could know I was fit. You are so far behind, you couldn't see me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Had a baby uh, 10 weeks ago. That's, that's, <laughs> they're the kind of people he preys on, Jess. <laughs> uh, that's good. Awesome, Jess. Well, thanks for your time again. Thank you. Bye. See you later. Yeah. Bye. All right, Krogs, bit of running news. There's not much here. What do you want to go yeah. with? Cam Avery, well, the New Zealander. Yeah, so thanks to Zaka for sending this one through. I was like, I couldn't find any sort of significant results from the last week. But Cam Avery, who we spoke about after Gold Coast half uh, this year, he finished third there running 62.50. He made his marathon debut at Shanghai over the weekend and debuted in 2.12. So um, not a bad debut from Cam and the race was won by Philemon Kiptu Kipchumba of Kenya in 205.35, which was a Chinese all-comers record. Um, so that's pretty much, yeah, the only running news I could find. is a bit of a calm before the storm, the storm being this weekend with uh, Zadapek, Valencia and Fukuoka. You're right, though, about those um, like points might not be available for the marathon. Like, this guy's come out and ran 205. Does that go from 30 spots available to 29? Like... And this is a race we weren't even naming. Mm, yeah, but it's only three per nation, though. Oh, three true. per nation, yeah. He ain't cutting into that list. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, my apologies. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. What do you got? Oh, I did buy a new iPhone, actually. Oh, did you? So I've been, um, I've, two years I've had this now. I was on a three-year contract, which sucks. But I've, I've smashed it, I reckon, one month in. And I knew I had to put up with two years of fucking glass falling off it all the time. I would get like a piece, like a piece of glass stuck in my hand every time I get out of my pocket. And then the the camera was smashed, so I couldn't take good pictures. And then all of a sudden, the um, the speak the speaker had stopped working. So I was I couldn't hear when I was on a phone call. I had to use the like the loudspeaker. So I thought, nah, this is ridiculous. Like I'm having conversations out on the street with the loudspeaker going and it's just a bit embarrassing. So I um, I got a new iPhone and the camera, let me tell you, boy, this is like, I th- I'm like a professional photographer. Every time I take a picture, it's like the best photo I've ever seen. Did you get the it, newest model? I got the iPhone 15 Pro. Far and out. Well, it's very, very unlike you, Moose, though, to go that long with a crappy phone. Yeah, like, you're the type of person, yeah, you're the type of person that oh, this is not working. I don't care what it's costing me. I'm going to get a new one. Well, Bree would not let me get a new one. 
because she's she as soon as I dropped it, she just looked up at me and she's like shaking her head like no. Like, no, you're not getting a new one. So you wanted to, so you wanted to go and get a new one, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely I did. There was no way I was allowed to do that. I'm like, fuck, really? And she goes, I told you to get a case and you didn't get a case. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's actually a fair fair call from her. So I bought I a case also, Moose. And Carly said the same thing to me. But she's yeah, I've, had my, I've had my phone for about five years, Moose. You, you it's got still a case? Going. Uh, not anymore. Fast and loose, I reckon. Blokes yeah. at work are like, how do you do that without a case? And just like, you just got to live life a bit. But see, Brady, <laughs> we've still got the same microphone from you know, do, 2017. Yeah. Moose is on microphone 10. We oh, I got rid of your shitty things. microphone. Your cheap-ass microphones. I went and got myself a little good one. But no, they, so yeah, this phone, like it, it does all the same stuff, right? But the camera, that's the difference. Oh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna be like a. That'd be great for your influence an, and work. An influencer, yeah. Mm. I might take photos, just like that photo of you looking back at the camera as you walked out your house mm. that time. <laughs> I need to buy Carly one of these so we can do our content creations like that. In the white shorts. Christmas, they're no, the they're baby blue. Don't call them white. Oh, yeah. They do have a white version coming out soon though. Yeah, but anyway, this is that was. It's been worth it already. I got some like portrait shots done of myself. I take a lot of selfies now, just around the house. What do you mean um, now? <laughs> what about nothing, next, next week? Can we get job? like an update of the week? Yeah. Do you know, though, I never realized how ugly I was until I got this phone. And now I'm like, what's wrong with your face? Why is your hair so thin? Your teeth are all going different ways. And they're all yellow. Like, Put some filters on, mate. You'll be right. I used to go all right, I thought, in selfies. And now I'm like, oh, God, go to the dentist, boy. <laughs> all right do we want to get to our debate yeah let's do it it'll be fun so this for this uh new segment we're going to be previewing the races that are on this weekend but we've all picked one person from each race or one of us picks a field to debate why we give us three reasons why you think that person that you've picked is going to win can we clarify we haven't picked it you've picked it on our behalf I, so and, given... I look, and i looked after you too <laughs> i think yeah so we just have to, yeah, we just have to put our case forward for the athletes that we've been given. Should we start with Zatapak? So, for example, Moose is going to argue why Jack Rain is going to win Zatapak. Croaks is going to argue why Pat Tiernan is going to win Zatapak, and I'm going to argue why the field can beat both of those guys and win Zatapak. Mind it? That's good, the concept. Yep. You can go first, Moose. Give me three reasons why Jack Rayner is going to win Zatapak. Oh, mate, you've looked after me here because Jack is pretty much unbeatable at the moment. Uh, he's, I can't, I could reel off all the, the races that he's won without being touched, but the last few I remember, Noosa Bolt, Melbourne Half, Bernie Tan. This guy is in real good form right now, and he's ready to unleash on the track. So that's one reason. Number two, he's a past winner. He's won, what, the last two, two, two events? He won two in the same year, yep. Oh, yeah, so he's, he's, he's won the last two. The bloke knows, knows how to win Zatapak. Three, Australian record holder in the distance. So not only has he won two of the past three, well, he's won the last two Zatapaks, and no one in Australia, no one from Australia has ever run faster than this bloke over 10K. So he's a fucking lock. Mm-hmm. Pretty strong arguments, Crokes. Yeah, well, I've got the guy that's run the second fastest time ever by an Aussie <laughs> over 10K, and he's coming off a 61.50 
half marathon on a bloody hilly course. Now, I think it is a race between Jack and Pat, but I don't think Jack's had the greatest year. And yes, Jack's won everything domestically recently, but the caliber of athletes that he's been racing against domestically is not Pat Tiernan caliber. Um, and so like you look at Jack's year, he ran 63 minutes at Melbourne. Um, and I'd say Melbourne's a quicker course than the Boston one that Pat ran. Um, oh, even Marigami this year for Jack, Jack ran 61, 24 at Marigami. And we know how fast that is. Pat's only like 25 seconds or so slower on a hilly half. Um, so, and I interviewed Pat this morning and I asked him, I said, are you like, how's your fitness compared to when you ran 27, 22? And he said, well, I don't think I'm any less fit than then. I'm just different fit. So he's a bit more strength based. So um, the fact that he doesn't think he's any worse than 27, 22 shape, I'm not sure if Jack's in 27, 22 shape at the moment. So I think Pat's got a good, uh, good chance. And he's, he's a past winner as well. I like that from you, Croaks. I like that Not swaying me, but okay, okay. Could have argued he wouldn't come home to run second. It's a long way to travel. Yeah, he's not see his family you know, as well, though. Yeah. Brady, you don't put don't you're not doing that. arguments for everybody. That's all right. I've got a, I've got enough there. Go listen to the monthly. Me and Christian had a heated debate when we talked about this. About what? About he's like, are you drunk, Pat Tin, and has no chance against Jack Rayner. He was laughing at me like, yeah. I was like, mate, that's rough on Pat. But anyway, that's How like good. this is the PG version of that chat. Chriso gets some stuff wrong. Yeah. I, like, the man speaks with so much confidence about things, and then it goes the opposite of what he says. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you about some dark horses in this field. So, there is a Kenyan. Everyone's getting excited about this Kenyan guy. He's not coming. He, um, not coming. He doesn't have a visa. You can't, you can't have him. So, if you're in the message groups going, nah, this Kenyan guy, he runs for on. His visa didn't get approved. He's not going to be there. But there's two dark horses. Both these guys can win it. Uh, Dave McNeil. That's the first one. He's come first twice, second once, third twice, fourth twice. He knows how to get it right at Zadapec. And I'm looking at the weather today. It's going to be a slow race. He's got the scissor hands, boys. You've seen the scissor hands that Dave McNeil pulls out? Last time he pulled him out, he outkicked um, Matthew Ramsden over in Perth to that 5K, remember? He ran like 13-11 or something in Perth. Yeah, it was incredible. He's the only bloke in the field that's got scissor hands that can outkick him if it comes to a 400-meter sprint. And I think it could because Jack won't want to do any work. Pat's not renowned for his uh, big kick finish. So keep an eye on Dave McNeil. The other man, and this would be a fairy tale, Zach Faccioni. The only person that's got close to Jack Rayner this year at 12K over in City of Bay. And it's going to be a fairy tale because he runs for On. And On have invested a lot of money into this race. And not only that, you boys know who his coach is? Craig Mottram, the greatest of all time, Craig Mottram. And you can just imagine what Craig Mottram's telling Zach Faccioni before he walks into that call room. He's going to be giving him so much confidence. He's going to tell him what the MTC script is and how to counter it. He's going to have all the mental advantages going into this race because also he's got nothing to lose. And you've can you, you do you've got to fear the man that has nothing to lose. I swear that's a, a famous <laughs> quote somewhere. And Zach Faccioni has nothing to absolutely lose and he could win Zadapec this Saturday night. Motivational speech won't get you a minute off your 10K time. He's around 13, 20 something. It's not far off the boys over 5K. And we know it's not going to be a strong strong race from the gun. He run 10 before? Hey, mate, you can't argue my points. We just put our present, present right, them forward. Right. I thought that's the whole thing. Uh, yeah, that's it's fair. It's a fair we're call. Going to debate this. Look, that's why I got the field. Yeah, we can debate it. We can go back and forth a bit. But um, imagine if someone who wasn't those four went out and won it. 
<laughs> dark horse, yeah. real smoky. Real dark, dark horse, yeah. So that's going to be exciting for the men's 10K. We're going to go to the women's now. So Croaks, you have the field for this one. Moose, you've got Rose Davies. How come you got the both for the favourites? And I've got Caitlin Adams. Kick us mm. off, Moose, back to you. Back to me, okay. Well, yeah, Rose. So, I mean, Rose is Rose. We know she's a past winner as well. Uh, she's one of the premier athletes in the country. So I'm going to put her top three 10K runner right now. Uh, she ran that 31, oh, what was it? Oh, that lap short race. Uh, uh, she then went out at sound running and ran pretty quick as well, like yeah, 31, 15 or something. 31, 18 maybe, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I reckon she she did nail one. So she's up there. She's got it top five all time, I reckon. Um, she's the fastest out there by a mile. So it's not like she's on a different level to these other girls. She is international quality and not just international quality, but she's competitive. So we are... Uh, we see her at another another level, and then we know that she's won. It. She can win it multiple ways. She can win if it's slow. We've we've seen her win, win it when the race starts really slow and it kicks down. Um, we've seen her brain a couple of girls like late 200 meters to go. All of a sudden, afterburners. She can she can win at the end. She can take them out hard and win at the start. There'll be no one there to go with her if she decides to make this a 25 lap time trial. No Leanne there to, to, to burn with her. She could go and win this in the first three laps if she wants. We should say this as well. There's no Allie in this. She's a scratching. And um, people were saying Sinead's going to run, but she's also not running. So that's why we're throwing these names up there. That's some good arguments, Croaks. It's going to be hard to counter that, I think, Rose. Yeah, well, I've got the field. Why don't you go? I'll, you got, I'll, you got the next one, then I'll go to the field. Yeah, Caitlin Adams. Um, the people's champ, people call her. There's a lot of people who have hedged their bets on Caitlin having a massive breakthrough this year, and she's pretty much done that so far, but this would be really icing on the cake if she can win Zatapec uh, this coming Saturday. She's had a stellar season, 15-24 and a 15-41 for 5K, and 12th. People forgot that result, 12th at the World Championship Road Races over there in, um, where were they, Budapest? No, that was the World Champs. Latvia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Latvia. Riga. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of form she's got going in. She's only been de- defeated by um, Sinead, I think, domestically. Won Noosa Bolt pretty easy a couple of weeks ago. And I just think, you know, there's times in your life where you've got to jump through that hoop and make a massive breakthrough. And I just feel, like so I've just got some spiritual feeling, not so many facts like Moose is spitting out about Rose. I've just got a spiritual feeling that this might be it for Caitlin Adams this week. Mm. All right, well, I've got the field. Um, and I'm going to narrow the field down to Lauren Ryan. So Lauren's run 15.11 for 5K and a solo 32.09 when she won the sound running 10K in March this year. So, um, you know, 32.09, that's, I think, the second fastest in the field behind Rose. And um, Rose, I believe, is coming back from an injury. So if Lauren is in 32.09 shape, um then and rose is coming off an injury then i think uh, lauren's a, a good chance um so yeah that's that's my pick i don't mind that from you coming back from america yeah. fresh, i reckon you fresh, could have gone actually turned uh, could have gone a bit athlete. harder there for lauren right. I well, well, went, to world, went to world indoor champs well i tell you what i tell you a big been, sponsorship deal 
Brady's been harsh here, putting not even giving me Lauren, just giving me the field and putting Caitlin ahead of Lauren when Lauren's run faster over five and ten. How do you do? How do you do that, Brady? And and Lauren is a track specialist. Hey, don't sleep on Caitlin. I've been I've been banging on about how good Caitlin is all year. That's why I've taken her. Yeah, but it's rough having Lauren in as the field. No, I don't see Athletes Australia writing features on Lauren Ryan. They're writing them on Caitlin Adams. And there's a yeah, reason for that, Crocs, because she's a people's champ. She's getting people through the gates. Anyway, I think 3209... I'm going to take a sign on be, Saturday night, the people's champ, go Caitlin. 3209 will be good enough to win on uh, Saturday night. Mm, hasn't done much on Australian soil, though. Has she? Um, Whereas don't know. Caitlin does. Well, she's been, over, she's been overseas. Well, that's because that's Caitlin's been here. I feel Lauren like every time Lauren the... comes back, though, we get excited and then she doesn't deliver. Well, this is the year to get excited, and she will deliver. Mm, good. We're having a bit of tongue-in-cheek here as well. I don't <laughs> want to get angry DMs about getting yeah, yeah. them delivering. No, yeah. fuck that. As, as, a, I, yeah. as I said before, we didn't actually, like, Brady just gave us each a person, and we're putting a case forward for each of them. We're trying to create content around it to get people excited. Yeah. Let's go to Valencia, boys. I've got Izzy, Moose, you've got Jen, and Croaks, you've got Louise because we're assuming that Lisa is in front aiming for a national record, which well, will be a different conversation in a second, maybe. Well, this second place, though, this is the one that's that, that's relevant for the Australian team. Like, Lisa's a lock for the team. Yeah. So it's she doesn't – like, there's not as much interest um, outside of her going for the Australian record where there is a lot of interest. But the whole competitive thing, it, she doesn't really fit in because her spot's already secured. Mm, yeah. So who puts their hand up and puts them into the third position for the team? Mm. Um, go first Who's again, Moose. Jen. Me again. Jen, you give me the... F- so all the favourites are going first. I get that. <laughs> um, Jen, has, who's beaten her lately? Anyone beaten Jen lately? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> she ran the Gold Coast debut. Amazing potential, what that showed in the marathon. We all sat here and went, oh, we were wrong. She's a marathoner. Like, she's, got, she's born for this. Valencia, faster course, all of a sudden that 228 drops down to a 226, 225 perhaps under the time. Uh, she's a performer on the big stage, runs on the board, Olympics, run multiple Olympic games and has performed well at them. Um, and, yeah, she's unbeatable. So how many more do you need for her to win? Like, Good all over. Yeah. All over. I don't think it's all over. Croaks, always. Well, you're talking about experience, Moose. There's no one more experienced in Australian female distance running than Eloise Wellings. She's been around forever, has also run significantly faster than what Jen and Izzy has over the marathon. Eloise has run, well, she ran 225. So her PB is actually under the Olympic standard, and I expect her to get under that standard again on... Uh, on Sunday night. Um, and also I think with um, Eloise, the thing I like about this prep is she hasn't run a marathon in the last like five, six weeks. Like, she, you know, she's sort of gone away. We haven't been talking about her racing as much, which um, I feel like maybe sometimes she, she was a bit overdone when it comes to racing. So I feel like she's gone away and uh, really just focused on this one um, to come out and run a, I don't know, 224, 30, to um, get that next spot on the Olympic team. Mm, you've convinced me that's four minutes quicker that Jen's got to run, Moose. 
You're convinced. You're convinced he's going to run two twenty four thirty. Hey Moose, it's always it's all, Craig. It's always easier to get back to where you've been than to get there in the first place. Mm. He's never run two twenty four thirty, mate. No, two twenty five ten. We'll take that then. For my points for Izzy, I just need you guys to open up a new tab and type her name in Strava. Can you do that for me? Last six weeks, over 180K average. Three of those weeks, 200Ks. Has trained the house down. Has everyone excited. Um, I've got here in brackets. I don't know the other girls training, but the best training surely in the lead up to a marathon. She's been at altitude on that ASICS camp thing. Um, People forget, this is her first actual legit marathon. Melbourne debut where she jogged around. Then she went to Nagoya and it was hot. And then she ran the World Champs where it was really hot. So, like, she's going to find three, four, maybe five minutes here in Whispers that she's going at in 72 pace. Double that, boys. That equals 224. Um, she's going to be the one to beat. I also like about Izzy is she's the marathon's all about being adaptable. And I've done the sub-elite start at Valencia, which all these three girls are doing. They're all in the sub-elite start, not the elite start. And I think you're going to have to be adaptable because some of these athletes – maybe too used to having race directors looking after them, getting them from the hotel, taking them to the start line, here's your drink tables, yada, yada, yada. That's not like that at Valencia. There's 150 girls who are quicker than 230. These girls... So are... why, why is Izzy more resilient than the others? Because she owns the second biggest coaching company in Australia behind Run to PB. She owns a cafe. She's like high in the influencing world. She when, has got she's adaptability. Got a few lattes lately. She probably cleaning toilets in there. I don't know what she has in the cafe, but she has got and she wears a number of different hats. So she deals with stress in different aspects of her life. And when it, when you miss a drink at five k, it's like oh yeah, that was like that time when that customer ordered the wrong coffee and we had to fix that. Like you know, you got to have to be you're gonna have to be adaptable out there. And I think Izzy has got the fitness and she's got the the mindset to be adaptable out there. And to be able to roll with the punches. I think it was, was it Rocky who said it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward? That's what's going to happen at Valencia. I was there. G'day was missing drinks last year. There's going to be adversity on that Valencia course on Sunday, and Izzy Bat Doyle can handle it. Mate, Eloise runs a charity. That's demanding. But also, Brady, you made some good points, but you lost me with point one when you said, look how many Ks she's run on Strava. That is not relevant whatsoever. Oh, that training's actually... not relevant, is it, to performance? Well, oh, that, but come that, on, could, that could actually be her demise, 200K weeks. And, and you, you came out with that as point number one. Come on. Do we do we not agree that mileage equals good running results? Oh, Brady. Brady, <laughs> is there a history of Izzy having massive sessions and great training weeks before this and not pulling it off? When has she had a chance to prove it? She's never oh, yeah, run she a decent run marathon. Before. She hasn't run races before, has she? Have you seen what she's done over the five and ten? I love that Froth has gone straight for how things how things look on Strava. Yeah, big Strava <laughs> man, this guy. I don't like the numbers. <laughs> I like the numbers. Watch oh, out for on Sunday, fellas. Watch out for her. Um, also, good, babe. good the, idea, Brady. I enjoyed only, that. The only one that doesn't have kids, so she can focus on it more. You guys know what it's like having kids. Take kids your make time. you stronger, mate. Look, look at our Australian female yeah, marathoners. Yeah, they're, 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 they're better up than It also contradicts my. It also contradicts my point about being busy is a good thing, <laughs> but not having kids is not a good thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I probably should have read that last one out. It hurt my case. It's going to be a fascinating <laughs> race. What time is it, Sunday Arvo? Do we know yet? I think it's six o'clock or something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, daylight saving time. We'll put links if we can on. Um, yeah, show notes, whatever. What's Instagram. Party, I reckon. 
Well, I think um, I actually think we're doing. Are we doing that live show straight afterwards? Like uncut episode, like quick twenty minutes straight off the bat, quick weekend recap. I think Zach wanted just to do that. Did he? The boss is spoken. The boss is like, well, yeah, yeah, Patreon only. Like, for, remember we did it after World Cross Country. Just yeah, like, yeah that, that was different. Well, yeah, it's different in that it was doing the same. That was house. like crazy and crazy, just the way the whole day had unfolded with the weather and the storms rolling in, and yeah. But I'm happy to do it. Could be the same as well couple of uh, other whispers as well. What do I have here? Oh, yeah, Sinead the Kenyan. Oh, Bruce McAvaney on the microphone in stadium on Saturday night. So if you go into the venue, you'll be listening to, to Bruce call the races. That's exciting, boys. Stadium. Hey? You know, everyone loves Bruce about the running, but I've, I haven't got on board him. I haven't got on board his race calls. What about Ollie Hoare, Com Games? Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. That's gonna light up. That's gonna light up the DMs, Moose. I know it will. I know that's. <laughs> Did you like him as a, a footy controversial opinion? But it, <laughs> I haven't loved his running race calls. I just haven't. I, Moose, I, Moose is going to be throwing his new phone in the river <laughs> by the end of the week. That Kathy Freeman. That was yeah, pretty good I call. Yeah, I that. That was very good. Well, which ones you know, didn't you like? Oh, there's been a few. And look, it's hard to call a 10k race as you're going to find out very shortly. Yeah, so if you don't when want it, to listen to Bruce in the stadium, bring headphones and you can listen to me on the live stream. Yeah, how much you get paid for that? Yeah, well, I'm only doing live stream. I'm only doing special comments. You won't hear me calling the races. Can you imagine me trying to do that? Was, was that a number that you said? <laughs> no chance of doing that. I'm just doing special comments. I think they really wanted a guy who's finished 20th before at Zatapec just to do some special <laughs> comments, and they, they gave me a call. Maybe you're the next Bruce. Uh, no, it's that we've got two people calling the race. I'm just uh, sitting in the box, like just just looking at when Caitlin Adams makes a move and when Zach Fascioni comes over the top of them all with 250 minutes to go, and then Dave McGill kicks him. How long a 10k race is, and when a move gets made, the commentators talk about that, not you. Yeah, true. I'll just be like, I reckon this move's coming. They'll go down to you and say, Brady from Trackside, how are uh, how are they looking? No, from no, where I'm, you are? I'm in the box. We've got a guy, Mitch, oh. Mitch Dyer's down the track. Oh. So there's four of you commentating one race. There's two teams. So there's in-stadium team and then there's live stream team. And I'm in the live stream team of special comments. Oh, that's the one we get to watch Moose from home. Uh, Moose will be there at yeah. the track. Surely Moose. No, I'm going to go there, I if think. he doesn't yeah. have COVID. Yeah, that's true. I'm kind of expecting that. But no, I'm hoping to be there. Yeah, should be good to see the atmosphere. I'll put you on over Bruce, I reckon. <laughs> might walk around with headphones. <laughs> um... Might be a good idea so you don't get bailed up by too many people. Pretend you're on the phone call with headphones. No one bails in. me up, mate. If you see me stand there Saturday night bailing him up for me. I'm not the bloke who's like wearing big inside running podcast t shirt, wear the beanie. Like oh, it's hoping. A good beanie that one. Yeah. It's gonna be cold, you probably need a beanie. Eighteen degrees and wind and rain, I think. Well maybe I won't go. That's still five or six days out. Um well let's talk about Lisa. You'd reckon she's gonna run that Australian record at Valencia? Hard to know when you don't know the training. Mm. Well, nah. I know you'll say yes to both, Brady, because you're uh, no, I actually a, won't. A I, for national nah. records. No, nah, I am, but I, I, I played a special part in that Australian record last year with Sinead, so that's close to my heart. How's that? Yeah, she crossed the line and there was no Australians there, and then I saw her. First Australian she saw. Right. Pretty significant part. <laughs> yeah, Come out of the really medical did. tent and like, Sinead, how'd you go? She's like, yeah, I broke the Australian record. Congratulations. Without you, it probably wouldn't have happened. Well, she was, she was pretty close to chase me down, to be honest. 
So, yeah, I think she holds it. What do you reckon, Croaks? Look, I think she's a chance because what her PB is 223 from Osaka. Lisa's, Lisa's PB from Osaka. Yeah, this oh. year. Yes, wasn't it a PB? And she went out of blistering yeah. pace at Berlin the last year. Yeah. So, look, I, I think – I don't think Osaka is, like, the the quickest course around. So, I think the 223 there is worth maybe a little bit more. And, we're, you know, you only got to find, like, a minute. So, I think there's a chance, but I'm going to say that no, because, you know, national records are hard to come by. So, there's, there's more chance of it not happening than happening. But if she has a good day, she'll be close. Moose? Uh, won't happen because of how rare it is that the odds of it, it won't happen. Like, I think you're right. I think she'll come close. I think it'll be, I think she'll run 222 mid. Still be an amazing run, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah. Brett and, um, Ed Goddard at Fukuoka. You want to put a time on that? Free hit for Brett, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Like once again, it's like. You know, I could see Brett running faster than what he has previously, and it's always helpful when you know it's your own record you you've got to beat. Um, but then again, you know, Brett does have the history of of stitches, so I, I think he'd need like a perfect day again to go faster. So um, I'll say no as well. Yeah, Ooh. a no for me. I didn't. I don't. I don't reckon his build has been as good as the the previous one. Uh, just I reckon there were a few hiccups in there. That calf, even back in September, probably hurt a bit of his training, I reckon. Looks pretty good on Strava, though. Mate, don't go like, judging stuff on Strava. Did <laughs> yeah, you just tell no, me that? Yeah. No, it wasn't more about the actual overall. Well, I suppose it's still <laughs> the same thing if you're looking at sessions. But, but you reckon you will, Brady? Um, yeah. I um, I interviewed him last week. Did you, interview, did you listen to that chat? Yeah, I did. It's very calm. It's very collected. I think he will. I think he's grown up a lot. He kind of just expects those stitches will come now. He's accepted them. And, and, He's got yeah, strategies. And once, yeah, and you start talking about a guy that's broken 60 minutes for the half. And, like, you know, two, two, you know, if you're breaking 60 minutes for the half, there's no reason you can't run 206. Pack's like, going. So. Was it 63 they're going through it? Yeah, I think so. Hey, I asked the monthly boys this. Stewie Payson. Dude, what do you think? I put it. it. Well, you, I don't put, reckon, you don't reckon he'll be able to do it? No, I think he'll be able to do it. But I just put it to him, would you see Josh Kerr, Whiteman, Jakobinger Britson, all the big dogs he races over fifteen hundred. Would you see them, Ollie Hoare, Payson, Fukuoka Marathon to twenty five thirty K? Yeah, it's a good question, Brady, because you look at you know, Stewie's had like a really up and down, what, eighteen months probably? And I feel like, well, where's his where's his off season? You know, like, yes, this is not fifteen hundred meter racing, but it's still like travel and it's whereas these other guys, they they have a distinct off season and then they just bunker down at home and just train. And I would have thought that, yeah, potentially like going into an Olympic year, you'd want to just, I guess, limit the potential for things to go wrong. Hmm. I get he's got to get paid and stuff. Like I understand the economics of it, but 25, 30 K at three minute K pace on a road. I guess he's always helping out his mate too. Helping the team. Good teammate. Get paid. Maybe it's not that big of a deal for him either. I actually like minutes. it. I like it as an entertainment point of view. Like you get to see Stewie on the front of that that group. Yeah. Why is yeah. the people? There's why people like Stewie though. Like he, you know, he's he's happy to go out and do this type of stuff. And you know, if he's racing, he's happy to take it on and not die wondering. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's. But then the other people that he races against, 
on the circuit, they approach things completely differently. You can't tell me, though, that you wouldn't have preferred to see him at the bell next to Pat Tin and Jack Rayner on Saturday night in Melbourne. That would be good, yes. I, I would I would prefer that. Mm. Dave McNeil on their shoulder, <laughs> pulling out the scissor hands. Yeah. Moose, you agree with me? I, I know the financial game might be a bit different, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how much you would get for a pacing gig. Like, oh, Chris, I reckon's huge. Oh, huge? What did he say? Uh, he didn't put a number on it, but he said very big. Well, not very big compared to what Stewie would get for some of his appearance fees and stuff, mm. I don't reckon. Like 30, five, 10 grand? Nah, way more than that. He wouldn't get 30,000 pace. 30,000. No. No, 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 he wouldn't. No. 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 I reckon 10 max, probably. Way more than 10 croakers. I'd say 10. No I reckon, way. I no way. That's my guess. No way. I could see we're on the same page, Moose. Yeah. I'll tell you some Frother, stuff off here. Frother lives in Lululemon land. He, <laughs> yeah. he just cashes checks every yeah. week, masses of... And he get paid more than any runner in Australia, I reckon. Brady rolls out a yoga mat, 500 bucks, please. <laughs> you guys are idiots. <laughs> uh, absolute idiots, but I think it'd be more than that. What's coming up? We've just spoken about it. We've previewed it all. Um, keep an eye on Patreon for a quick show Sunday night. Fresh thoughts. And then um, we'll do all this again. We'll save the listener question. And next week, Croaks has been going yeah. for 90 minutes and we've got Pat Tiernan for an hour coming up here. So enjoy that interview. I'll see you maybe on the, on the track on Saturday. Moose, you going to drive home or stay down the night? Oh, drive. Yeah, I'm not staying down. Not again. Fuck. Oh, yeah. You know how long it took me to get back to nearly four hours in the car? Four hours? Crashes and it was raining. So there were crashes everywhere. It was, oh, mate, it fucked my knee. Sitting in that car, in that bent position, same spot, um, I was just thinking, what? how do people do this for mm. a living? Like driving this road, oh, just poor bastards. They're, I feel sorry for them. Craigs, what are you doing? Um, just training and, yeah, watching a lot of uh, athletics over the weekend. That'll be good. All right, boys, yeah. we'll do it again next week. See you later. Have a good call, Brady. Good luck. Thanks, mate. We'll enjoy yeah. it. Say bye. This week's guest is the former Australian 10,000 metre record holder with a PB of 27.22, is a two-time Olympian, was the 2016 Zatapec champion and has returned home to Australia for this weekend's edition of the Zatapec 10. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Pat Tiernan. Thanks, mate. Thanks for, thanks for having me on today. Appreciate it. Um, how long are you home for? Uh, so I've been back for about about a week and a half now, um, but we'll be, uh, my wife and I, yeah, been in Brisbane for a week and a half, but we'll be heading back after after Zatapex. So um, okay. only be about a two and a half week stint. But um, but yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good to good to catch up with some family and friends there. And um, I came back briefly after after Tokyo, but the two of us haven't been back for a proper proper sort of catch up with people for about four years now. So it's been um, it's been great just to get back and, and see everyone and, um, yeah, ultimately excited to be running running back in Australia again. Yeah. Well, last time we spoke, I think you were in hotel quarantine uh, after the Tokyo Olympics. Um, yeah. 
But I know like a couple of weeks ago, there was a real buzz around the Australian running community for a couple of reasons. One, you you just had your first race in over a year, but then you'd also announced that you'd be coming back for Zatopec. So let's start maybe with the first race in over a year. You finished second at the Boston Half in 61.56, which I believe was like a pretty tough course. Um, how did that race feel and, and did that sort of exceed your expectations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it was the first race for me in um, over a year. I think the last race before that for me was Chicago Marathon in October of 22. So, um, yeah, no, our, our goal ultimately for Boston was just to get just to get there healthy. Um, you know, we didn't weren't really concerned about what sort of shape I was in or um, necessarily being, you know, super super primed or anything for it. Um, it's just getting to a start line healthy, getting back in that routine of racing because I think it's very easy to, you know, very easy to kind of get a bit, a bit shy of races once you've been once you've been out for a while with with injuries and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, no, it was definitely exceeded expectations. Um, course was the course was challenging, but that was that was kind of the reason we did it. We thought, you know, coming coming from more across country background for me, it'd be, you know, nice to have some familiar uh, like be familiar with it i guess in that sense yeah. um so yeah it was good and ultimately just a race you can compete in you know because mm. i think a lot of these a lot of these halves these days are being running you know the flat courses are being running 57 58 minutes and it's um you know that just wasn't going to be a reality for me first race back like having any sort of expectation to be able to you know, keep up with that sort of that sort of race, um, even sort of the second or third chase group. So, being in a race where you kind of take the take the faster guys out of it a little bit, um, yeah. chuck some hills in there, just just fit me perfectly. And um, yeah, no, ultimately, like you said, sixty one fifty. I was thrilled with that time on that course. Um, I think there was maybe about one hundred and thirty meters of flat, and that was when you mm. came onto the track at the end of the race. So, it was. Um, yeah, no, it was good. It was good in cold weather, so no, no, uh, no concerns of repeating Tokyo or anything like that. So yeah, um, yeah, no, I was I was really happy with it, and ultimately, um, yeah, set kind of set us up well for for what the what the year should should hold. And so, how long ago did you decide that you'd um, run Zatapec? Uh We kind of it kind of fit the program pretty well. Once I. I was meant to run World Champs Marathon um, and I, I strained my glute about two or three weeks out from that and it had been a bit of a rushed preparation as it was because I was coming back from something else about two months earlier um, and so we kind of took the time to sit down there and just say, look, let's just get this right and once you start feeling, you know, things start feeling like you're moving in the right direction again and we've taken it a little slower coming back, we can figure out some races and, um, you know, Boston Half was, was kind of the first one that made sense and then seeing the Zatapec was three weeks later, we were like, look, that, that could work out well, give you some time to go back and, and see some family and, you know, ultimately get the Olympic trial 10K in um, and then come back and get after some, you know, some winter racing over, over in the US on the roads. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it worked well, and I think it's it's a race that I've been fortunate enough a couple of times where it's it's timed well with my season, like it hasn't hasn't disrupted it at all, um, which I know has been, you know, is is often hard for a, a ten thousand meter track race in December for a lot of people to to make it fit their schedule. So, um, so yeah, so no, it's worked out well, and 
yeah, I've, you know, Boston went really well. So that I'm in a bit better shape than I thought I was going to be in, which is fantastic. So no, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, as I said, like last time we spoke was like straight after the Tokyo Olympics. And like I do want to chat to you about Zatapak and also your plans between now and Paris. But I thought it would be good to maybe do a quick recap of the last couple of years because um, I think you'd agree you've had your fair share of ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. So maybe we'll start with like straight after the Olympics, um, like early 2022, you have a change of sponsor going from Nike to Puma. Um, and moving from the um, Oregon Track Club to the Puma Elite Squad, um, how did that all sort of come about? Um, like, I'm guessing Nike didn't renew your contract, and, and was there a reason for that? Um, yeah, yeah. But plain and simple, that was that was basically how it went. I got, um, you know, I got a couple of a couple of good offers from other companies, and um, you know, ultimately when we took those to Nike, they they just weren't really interested in. Mm. Um, you know, in, in keeping me on, and you know that's that's the way that's the way it goes. I guess it, it definitely. I think I definitely took it a little more personally than it was at the time, um, and I think that kind of brought me into Pum into the Puma Elite team with probably not the right mentality. If I look back on it, um, I think I came in with a with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and I felt like I had a point to prove and things like this. And so I went. I went pretty hard um, at the start of that year, kind of after that Houston half um, in January of that year. So, and that just led to, you know, a bit of a rough, a rough American spring and summer where I, you know, got myself banged up early in the year and didn't fully, fully sort of uh, regroup from it till May. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was also just hard because my, my wife, Angel, had just joined OTC about yeah. two or three months earlier and we'd um, we'd been living apart for, for a year or two before that because she was with a different group um, in a different part of the country. So we were, we were excited to be living together again and then to have have that sprung on us, um, you know, was, was a little bit rough at the time. Mm. So... Um, yeah, no, it, and yeah, it was just a shame because I, I loved the OTC group. I loved, um, you know, being coached by Mark and Tom Farrell as our assistant coach, and I think they work really well together. Um, but you know, ultimately, as it turned out, the the whole group was kind of um, I think Nike was pulling the funding on on OTC as a group in general later that year. So um, you know, my I'm, my agent was looking out for me uh, there, Nick, and I'm very, very grateful for him for that, for finding us a new situation that, that worked well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of sad to see all that play play out the way that it did um, in those coming months. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it took me a little while getting getting adjusted to the new group, the new sponsor, um, you know, dealing with not only the aftermath of the, you know, having to leave OTC, but also still trying to figure out um, exactly what went wrong in Tokyo and how I was going to manage that um, going forward. So, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot a lot going on in, in that sort of six to 12 month period from Tokyo through till about May or June of the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but around then I kind of found my groove again, I think, and, and got into a couple of races where I did well. Um, you know, got back on the track for a five time on that, which was great. Um, did a few road races over here where some went well, some didn't. That's okay, you know, finding a bit of ebb and flow with that. 
um, and ultimately ending my year with uh, the Chicago Marathon, which, um, you know, 2.11 mm. is uh, it's not a super flashy time, I don't think, but for my first one, I was, I was pretty happy with it, but um, more so than the time, I was just happy that I left with a good experience from the marathon, you know. I think it's very easy to to go into that race and have an absolutely terrible last 10K um, and just walk away from it thinking, I never want to do that again. Um, but I, you know, I, I just didn't have that. I feel like I, I felt really good through 30K. 30 to 35 was like, all right, I'm starting to feel it in my legs. Um, I still feel okay, but my legs are just sort of getting a little heavy. And then the last 7K, my legs are just gone. But it was weird like I felt fine from about the waist up like I knew I was fit enough it was just my legs weren't, mm-hmm. weren't used to the distance um but yeah in saying that like you know it's it's kind you I walk away from that thinking all right I know what we've got to do to kind of you know to fix it for next time sort of thing it wasn't like I walked away thinking this just isn't the event for me um so yeah so no that was that was really exciting um we only you know, missed the um. Just, yeah. As I say, you only missed the uh, Australian debut record by two seconds, which um, you know, you think guys like Deke, guys like Mona, guys like Brett Robinson, they all ran slower than you on debut, so that's got to be a positive sign. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and I think it's you know, I think I'm I've had my debut. I think 28 might be. I don't know where that that ranks age-wise as far as when they all made their debuts in the marathon. But, um, you know, I'm very lucky to have had people like that go before me and do it. Um, you know, I haven't haven't really spoken too much to to them all directly about the marathon, but I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with all of them throughout my career and, and picked up on, on certain things. So there's definitely been, in that build-up, there were definitely things that they had you know, maybe said to me in the past or, um, you know, I think Brett and I actually had a, had a text message thread before that where we we just kind of been talking about, you know, how, how tough it can be and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just want to see Australian running do well and, and um, you know, I think that's very prevalent in the marathon right now and, um, you know, even... Uh, Lee Troop was over in the US. He was at Chicago while I was there, and he was he was very supportive of everything I was doing. So um, yeah, no, you just feel you just feel like there's a lot of people wanting to do well, and, and a lot of people wanting to help you do well. Yeah, and so your new group, your new group, um, yeah, the head coaches are Alistair Craig and Amy Craig. So Alistair's a 13:03 5K runner, and Amy. 221 marathoner and a bronze medalist from the 2017 world champs how um how did the training differ from the previous groups you've been part of it was different i think um alistair's alistair's mentor was uh i believe jack mcdonald from he was a head coach at arkansas for a while over in the states um that's where alistair went to college and he had, had a lot of success um you know, we were we were just looking over it about a month ago, and Angel and I were kind of like, "Holy shit, he he did a lot more than we thought um, in college." So it's uh, and then came out of college and was racing, you know, racing up there through sort of the Keeley and Mottram's era as well. So um, but Alice is definitely, I think he has for the most part come from it at a 
you know, we'll train at, at the level we're, we're trying to get to sort of thing and make it get easier over time. And I've definitely come from a very different approach with, you know, Marcus for seven or eight years and then with Mark Rowland at OTC where it was, you know, Marcus was very, very tentative with me for a long time and we always trained at a low intensity, not much mileage um, and just sort of slowly build things up. Um, and then Mark was kind of the next step for me where we added some more intensity but still mixed it with stuff I was doing before. And then Alistair's definitely kind of a step above that as far as intensity. Um, and I think it was maybe maybe a little too much too soon for me straight away. And that, that's that's more so on me than anything else just because, you know, I, I like I said, I came into that group with a – with a chip on my shoulder and I wasn't really thinking clearly and so I came in and just wanted to crush everything like session like we had the first altitude camp I went to uh, with the group it was just a situation where I looked around at you know I think there were three or four guys who were up there with me in the group and I was just meeting them and I didn't know any of them that well like the nice guys from what I was you know what I was learning from them and stuff like that but any time we stepped on the track for training, I was just like, I'm going to really put it to these guys today. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I did. I, I came out and I really worked hard in training. You know, I was training really well and really hard all the time. And then ultimately when it came to race day, I was just hooked. Mm. Um, and I think that training camp kind of more, I sort of set the tempo for what to expect going forward. And that was the wrong kind of approach for me because I I should have come in just kind of with a bit clearer head, taken a breath and said, look, I can, like some of these days, yes, but other days I'll be, you know, just kind of at the back of the pack doing what i got to do to sort of get my training and go home, recover sort of thing. Mm, And so it kind of took it to all this, you know, this like after Chicago, I got a, I had basically three three big injuries back to back. One was a stress reaction in December or January in my sacrum, um, and that kind of I had to sort of rest that for six to eight weeks before I could get back into any sort of running. Um, and then after that, I had some sort of quad strain that just you know was super painful. I was meant to race over in Europe, and that popped up about a week before that. So that was sort of bad time, but also maybe a result of me getting back into it too quickly and then that last one was the glute strain a couple of weeks out from world champs and um you know we definitely were taking it was we were taking the right steps but i think we were just slightly missing missing the ball with it a little bit um as far as how i think we were not really um appreciating how long it might take me to get back into stuff or how light I kind of needed to take it. And so that was the approach that we, we kind of sat down in August. I said, look, okay, we've got to change something because something's like not working right now. And it didn't work when I first came here. But like I, like I said, that was mm. all on me just being like, I'm not actually recognising what I've done before, what has worked and what I've actually come here to learn from you. Because um, I think it's very, you know, you can just show up and, run hard every day like I don't think that takes a you know that doesn't take a very mature sort of athlete to just be able to show up and you know just run hard every day I think we're, we kind of really need to 
be on your A game is more so showing up and thinking, okay, where where am I actually at? What do I need to get out of today? What do I need to get out of this week, even this month sort of thing? Yeah. Um, and that was what we kind of sat down and said and was like, all right, first month we're just going to stick to sort of heart rate stuff and that way the effort's controlled. You're like, if you have to run slow, you have to run slow, but we're basically just not going to push you to the point where you're breaking down in sessions or overextending yourself for that first, that whole month of September. And that's exactly what we did. And then October kind of reintroduced like, you know, maybe one hard, one really tough session sort of every three, three sessions, I guess, um, keeping the other two controlled. And now we've kind of gotten a good routine where we're alternating a hard session with a more sort of, not a light session, but a recovery sort of session, I guess, where it's just controlled and you're just getting your work in going home sort of thing. It's not, mm. not anything that's going to look sexy on paper. So, um, yeah, so I think we've, we've, it's taken us a while, but I think we've really found a good groove there. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's, it is, it has been really promising and I feel really optimistic about it going forward now. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're doing really well in that regard. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting hearing because this is the third time that you've done an interview for our podcast. The first one was with Julian down in Falls Creek and then I interviewed yep. you after the Olympics and then this is the third one. And, you know, just seeing the evolution of you as a, a runner and obviously coming from different groups because I remember the first time you did an interview you, you know, you're part of like the Villanova sort of Marcus um, program where it was, yeah, train conservative, but then almost exceed expectations in races based on what you're doing in training. And then I remember asking you after the Tokyo Olympics how OTC differed and you're like, oh, when I came to OTC, I definitely had to respect the easy days because the sessions were a step up yeah. in intensity from what I was doing with Marcus. And then it seems like you've gone to this next level of like, intensity and you know obviously you had a few teething issues um which you've sort of sounds yeah. like you've got on top of now yeah yeah no it's, it, it has it's, it's actually it's like that's the best way to put it as you said, you said i think what i had to really sit down and do while world champs was happening this year was you know i look back at the last almost like seven to eight years of training that i've done and kind of just picking out almost going through like i would be talking to you like figuring out what i've been doing what's worked <clears throat> sorry um yeah what's worked what hasn't worked um and just kind of trying to put the pieces together it's, it's like you've got a puzzle and you you know some of the pieces are turned upside down you, you haven't quite figured out where one goes yet and stuff like that and that was that was kind of what i was doing this summer was just putting that all together and figuring out all right How's, what pieces have I brought from Marcus? What pieces have I brought mm. from Mark and OTC? And now what pieces have Alistair and Andy added for me now to kind of complete the process? And so it's, um, yeah, it's been, it was definitely frustrating earlier this year, but it was it was really exciting being able to sit down and see everything sort of coming together on paper. And now we're in the process of, um, you know, putting it into, uh, into action and, um Boston was a was a really good start, I think, mm. to, to how this plan is, has been coming together. How has mileage varied over the last few years? Because like traditionally you weren't a huge mileage guy, but obviously you've stepped up to the marathon now. So what sort of mileage were you doing in the yeah. lead up to Chicago and sort of where's your mileage at right now? Yeah, so Chicago we were looking at um, 
probably anywhere between 170 and 180k a week, which was which was big for me. You know, I was always a yeah, you know, probably since since I graduated college, I've been easily in the 130 to 150 range, um, and de- definitely favouring the lower side of that for the most part. Um, so yeah, so it, it was definitely a big jump up, and I think maybe that was kind of what we found was getting back into that sort of mileage quickly was was hurting a bit, um, and it wasn't wasn't what my body was familiar with and, and anything like that. And so this time around, we're kind of keeping it in that one sixty to one seventy range, yeah, um, even dipping slightly below it, but more so having the emphasis keeping the days that were big during those high mileage weeks, keeping those days still big. So like long run days will still be a large chunk. Like our session days will still be a large chunk of the mileage and more so just keeping the recovery days. Like we were doing 75 and 35 double runs. So it's like 75 minutes in the morning, 35 in the evening sort of thing. And so now we're just keeping it 60, 30 um, on the recovery days and just making sure that you know, say we were on a Tuesday, Friday, Sunday schedule for sessions in long run. Those that's going to be at least fifty, if not more than fifty percent of the mileage for the week out of those three days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's been it's been good. I feel like my body's responded well to it. I feel confident that we've been getting the you know the marathon efforts in um, that my body needs, and um, but also not. You know, I don't feel like I'm breaking down in those longer sessions because of it as well. So, mm. um, so yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I've heard a lot of people who have been able to do this, you know, do less mileage but just have bigger bigger session days and run well um, in the marathon. Like I've actually I put up with Jen and Ryan Gregson while while I was here, and and I think Jen's kind of in a similar boat, Ryan as well. Um, and I actually was able to talk with Kira Donato at uh, Boston Half, and she she was surprisingly um, she's surprisingly a lower mileage person. I, I thought she would have been a higher mileage person, um, but yeah, she kind of almost goes through like a four week cycle with her mileage. So it's um, you know it's interesting hearing all the different approaches, and, and it kind of makes you realise right there's no there's no one formula that works for everyone. You just got to figure out what works for you um, and what works best. So. So yes, yeah, so it's been exciting figuring that out, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll um, yeah be able to put it put it into good use soon. Yeah, and when you were going through all of these like injuries earlier in the year, like because running is your job, um, do, does the thought of going and getting like another sort of part time job or having a bit of a normal life sort of come into your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, you know you kind of you kind of got got to hold yourself back from, from getting on LinkedIn and sending a few, you know, sending a few messages that you might not, might not, um, might not have meant in a few weeks' time, sort of thing. But um, no, I'm I'm very fortunate, um, you know, one that that team is a, a great company and, and they've still sort of you know supported to, to a certain degree with with stuff, which has been great. But um, no, the very uh, Angel had a very successful year running wise, which was which was great. Um, you know, I think one of the things that makes a rough year like this a lot easier is when 
your partner is doing very well in whatever they're doing and Angel is doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, um, just in a different event. Um, and she had the, the, you know, best year of her career so far by, by a long shot. So that was, you know, that was really helpful and definitely brought a lot of peace of mind to me as far as like, all right, I can, you know, I, I can take the time to make sure I get this right and not have to rush back into it as far as a, you know, financial point stands for us, which was which was great. Um, so yes, yeah, so no, it was um, no, it definitely made all of that a lot easier, which I was very grateful for, and um, she's been very very supportive throughout the whole thing. So it's you know, it's it's um, it's been a very very easy process for me in that regard, which is, which has been great. Yeah, very good. All right, let's move on to Zadapec. Um, now, are you here for a national title or are you chasing a specific time? Um, do you know, or, and, and another part of that is, do you know if there's good, like, ranking points on offer for Zadapec? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would have to think so, given, um, given it's a national championship. I don't know where, you know, how the how the category of races always goes and whatnot, you know, like I, I don't think Boston was actually a very high category of race, which was, you know, obviously disappointing when you, when you finish high up, but I, yeah, it's just hard to, hard to know exactly how many points are on offer um, for these sorts of things. But no, honestly, mate, I'm, yeah, come, coming into the time when it, it's, um, you know, that's, that's something that I've always um, sort of held myself to and, and I'm proud of myself for doing that is when, you know, when I go into a race, I'll, I'll go in it to try and win it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Like, obviously, Jack's, Jack's flying and he's been flying for the last couple of years and, and he's going to be a very tough guy to beat, um, you know, because he can win in a number of different ways. Yeah. Uh, I've... I've Dave McNeil is going to be running it as well and, and you know if there's one thing I've learned about racing and watching Dave over the last eight to ten years is that he uh, he will show up uh, when he when he needs to show up so he's he's always going to be someone someone who's tough to beat and he's got a he's got a very quick finish so um, so yeah we'll have to keep an eye on both of them um, no, I don't know if I've heard who else is in there. I think there's a um, Thomas Kyoko. I, I yeah, think in the race. Yeah, he's. So, so I actually know a Thomas. He's um, 27-22 man. Finished third yeah. at the um, Sound Running 10k behind Woody Kincaid and Joe Klecker earlier this year. Yeah, so Thomas is actually. He doesn't train too far away from where we train. He's in North Carolina as well, um, and he's he's come and done a couple of runs with us. I think. Um, and he he trains around Wake Forest, I believe, which is where my brother went to school. So it's um so now I'm I'm very familiar with Thomas, and he's he's a very strong runner. Um, I'm not sure what his intentions for the race are, whether it's just an on appearance or whether he's going up or something. So um, no, he'll be he'll definitely be a I think he could be he could be an athlete who really kind of dictates how the race goes over the first five or six K or so. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he decides he wants to do there. But um but no it's gonna be good. Um and yeah I'm I'm just excited to be back and, and racing and um yeah ultimately want to put myself in, in a position where I can win it. But like I said it's gonna be gonna be very tough and um gotta have a lot of respect for those guys who have who have done so well at, at not only this race but a lot of Australian domestic racing over the years. 
do you think it'll be fast early? Because I'm, you know, I'm guessing if there's if there's good ranking points on offer, it's beneficial to run fast, you know, to to maximise those points. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's fast. I mean, personally, um, you know, I think that's that's a, a strategy that would work well for me. But um, you know, I also also. You know, I haven't, I haven't had a great, great experience trying to win a race by going out and taking it hard over here as well. So it's, um, you know, I, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think a lot of it will come down to what Thomas wants to do. I think it'll, because he's the one who doesn't have a national championship on the line. Mm. Um, he's coming here simply just to, like, he obviously... Well, not obviously. Like, like I said, it's, it depends whether he's here because I'm I've asked him to be here or whether he's looked at this race on the calendar and said, this is something I want to target. Mm. And if he's come here for that, then I think it will be fast the first first half of the race and he'll be getting after a fast time. But yeah. if it's not, I could see him just sitting in and seeing what the rest of us do because um, he's also got 336, 1500 speed. You know, like he's a fast, yeah. he's a fast finisher as well. So, um yeah, so we'll we'll like I said, I'll keep an eye sort of want to keep an eye on him and see what he does. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets after it and wants to run fast. But um, but if he didn't, then that's something we'd be prepared for as well. Well, I guess for guys like you and Jack, it'd be nice if he sort of acted as a bit of a pacemaker because, as you said, there's no national title on the line for him. But yep. it'd, be, it'd be nice if you and Jack could both run quick times while also getting some additional points based on it being a national championship. Um, Cause we, yeah, like we just don't want to see a repeat of 2019 where you're a pacemaker for Stewie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was a pacemaker for myself, mate. I was uh, <laughs> in that one. I, you know, I went into it knowing if I, did, I was trying to run the standard and I needed to be in shape to be able to do it on my own. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I just wasn't, wasn't exactly where I needed to be for that. Um, but no, this time around, yeah, I think if, we, if we're going to run fast, we'll kind of need a thonus. And Dave and Jack and myself will kind of rotate through and, and set with tone a bit. But, um, you know, those are kind of things that if you want that to happen, you've got to discuss that beforehand. You can't, can't go into the race just assuming that everyone's on the same page because, um, you know, there's four of us there. And although three of us have one similar goal of wanting to win the championship, we're probably not going to all have the same goal of trying to run fast. So, yeah, yeah, so that could be a discussion that, you know, I'd I'd reach out to Jack and Dave beforehand and just see what their their intentions are and what they're trying to do. But if they're just, if they come back to me and say they're just trying to race, then, you know, fair game. We'll we'll go out there and we'll have our strategy as as to how how we set this race up to to win. Um, And, yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of exciting. I think that's how, you know, obviously everybody wants to see people run fast and, and stuff like that, but I think it is exciting when you've got, you know, and I've only mentioned those, they're the only guys who I, I know um, for certain are in the race. I haven't actually seen a start list, but the, the exciting races are when you've got sort of three to six guys there with, with four laps to go and, and it's anyone's race sort of thing. So, yeah. um, no, I think we'll put on a good show for, for uh, Lakeside on, on Saturday night. And, um, yeah, it's it's it'll be... You know, whoever wins it will have, will have had to have had a, put a good effort forward and, and will definitely deserve it. And how would you rate your fitness compared to when you ran 27-22? Uh, different. Like, not, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm in, in worse shape than that. I don't think I'm in better shape um, this time of year. Like, we were, we were 
definitely targeting that race and trying to run um, trying to run the Olympic standard, which was, you know, you may as well go after the Australian record at that point um, when you're doing that at, at that time of year. So, um, you know, I was in really good shape for that and probably better, more so like 5K, 10K shape, whereas now I would say I'm more so in sort of 10K to marathon shape. So it's just mm-hmm. a different kind of... Um, a different kind of fitness I'm bringing to it, but I, I do think I'm in good shape. Um, but yeah, whether it'll be, uh, you know, whether I'll need to take it from a, a fair way out or whether I've got a bit of a kick in me over the last last 600 or so, um, not exactly sure. But I think I'll, I'll be in shape to be able to go with whatever comes. Um, it'll just be whether I'll be able to respond to the to the last move that's made and um, actually, you know, be able to go with those fellas because I'm sure they're, you know, I'm sure the likes of Jack and Dave are in in pretty good 5K, 10K shape right now. So, um, so yeah, it'll just be just be interesting to see where the where the field's at with about you know four laps to go. Um, yeah. And see see what we got to do from there. So speaking of Olympic standards, um, the 10K standard has dropped significantly since the last Olympics, with it being what 27 flat now. Um, your your plans are between now and Paris, and I guess. The downside for you is that you missed all of last year, so you don't have many races on the boards from a points point of view. Are you focusing more on the 10K or the marathon for Paris? So we're looking, I would, personally, I would love to do the marathon. I think um, not because, not because I don't think I like to run fast in the 10. Like I think I'd still, regardless of if I was doing the marathon or not, like I'd still like to get a fast 10K done in the lead up to Paris um you know maybe sometime in April or May um when there's a you know I think there's it's basically there's a 10k in March in the US and then I think there's a couple of 10ks in Europe and one in the US in end of April start of May um so I would love to do one of those just to run fast regardless of whether I'm doing the 10 or the marathon but um the tough thing about the 10k now is that you know you got to be able to if you want to compete in that race with the Olympics you have to be able to run 2640 you have to be able to close in 52 but you also have to be able to close in sub four for the last mile and you know sometimes all three of those things at the same time so it's it's just one of those things where because all three of those are quite foreign to me, you know, I kind of got to focus on one and go with that. And unfortunately, it's just not an event at the moment where you can do that because there's been, you know, there's guys who have been doing all three of them for the last two Olympic cycles now who are coming back to do it again. And so, you know, in saying that, it's probably, you know, an event where a top 10 finish is seems I wouldn't say easy because nothing's easy at the Olympics, but it seem it might seem more um reasonable to finish top ten in the ten K rather than in the marathon. Yeah. But I think at the same time the mar- the marathon at the Olympics, you just never know. Like there is always a medal up for grabs if you have a really good day and a few people don't. And so um looking at the marathon, that's kind of an event where you have you don't necessarily have to be a 202 
203 runner to metal. You know, you can be that 206, 207 guy and just, you know, run that on a tougher course. Um, and the closing speed isn't necessarily the last K, the last 2K. It's like, what can you do in the last 10K? And, you know, running running 28 mid for the last 10K of a marathon is brutal. You know, that's really hard. But with a PB of 27.20, it's like, all right, closing in 28.30, that at least in my head, that at least is something I feel like I could get to at some point. Yeah. Um, that, that being said, like your your 10K at Paris, and I, I know that the conditions were, were different, which probably meant that it was a slower race, which meant you were there for a lot longer. But from an Australian's point of view, like that was one of the most exciting distance races that I've seen because it's very rare that an Aussie's still there with like two laps to go. Like it was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I'm very proud of myself for that run and, you know, from – you know, I know on paper it was whatever, 18th or 19th or something like that. But like you said, I was, I was in the top 10 with a lap to go. And that was, that was, you know, when I look back on that race, that's what I'm really proud of. I said I stuck it out with those guys and was in the hunt with 500 to go. Yep. Um, and I don't even think it's that race that's discouraged me from it. Like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm discouraged from the 10K. I think it's more I've seen now the marathon side of it and that's excited me um so yeah because i still think i can compete in the 10 it's just when i look at the two i get more excited about the idea of the marathon because i think there is actually the opportunity of a medal there um and it's a situation like i said it's just a situation where i there's a lot of factors that can go wrong in a marathon but there's also a lot of factors that can go right for you um and i think if i can you know, get the preparation right and, you know, ha- just have a have a good day. And I think I've, I had a good day in Tokyo. I just, it's, you know, for 95% of the race, which is the last 5% didn't go well because I think I can have a good day in a marathon and have, you know, things go well. The training's been going well for it. I enjoy the event. Um, yeah, I just, it excites me. And yeah. so that's, that's also something where, you know, I'm turning 30 next year. It's it's fun to be excited about an event uh, when you've been doing the sport for a long time. So, um, so yeah. But in but in saying that, so we'll we'll try and you know I think we're going to try and get after a, a marathon early in the year, um, which would still potentially, like I said, we're still trying to run a fast ten. So worst case, if yeah, you know, if the marathon does go does go poorly and we feel like we need to to change routes, we've still got plenty of time to do that. Have you decided on that marathon yet? Uh, we're tossing up between two. I'm not sure how much. I don't know what I can say with that. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these road races are weird about announcing yeah. stuff. Can you, um, gi- can you give us a month? Uh, yeah, Jan- January. Okay. January. So, yeah. yeah so Narrows it down a bit. That if they fit well in the schedule in the build up to this race. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. It's been something that we put down um, you know, in, in August when we were putting stuff together and, and so things have been trending well um, in that direction. So I'm excited about that. Um, and yeah, January gives us enough time to kind of to make a path to Paris um, mm. one way or another. 
And do you sit down with your coach and actually look at the point system or are you basically just going, you know what, I'm just going to run, like for me to make the team, I'm just going to run the time? Yeah, I think we both just go in with the mindset of time first and then the point system is is kind of like a backup. I don't think we really, we would more, I think sitting down and figuring out the point system would be a March sort of situation, March conversation. Because, mm. um, yeah, I think we're both optimistic people. We both want to, we both know that if I want to do well in an event at these Olympics, I've got to be able to run the time to, to before we get there sort of thing. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we kind of pick the, the races and stuff that we're doing to try and run the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the goal. Um, and, you know, that's just always the way I've operated. I know the times are a lot quicker now and, and a lot more difficult, but at the end of the day, that's what you've got to be running if you want to be competing with these guys. And so that's that's what we're going after. Yeah, and we were chatting about it on the show the other week in that, like, the marathon, they're probably not going to have any people qualify by the point standard anyway because there's already 52 on three per nation that have met the standard out of out yeah. of 80. Um, yeah. Whereas for the 10K, there's only five that have qualified by time out of the 27. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it looks like for the marathon, you're probably going to have to run that sub 20 or 208, 10 to get yeah. in anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um so, yeah, no, I think if you – and also if you come at it from that mindset, I think it makes it a lot simpler. I think you can get very caught up with with the points and, and have to structure your season very differently to what you would usually do. Um, whereas if you kind of keep your season going where there's a time to run fast, there's a time to race, and then there's a championship season, mm. then, you know, you can kind of – I think you can take care of the standards and the rankings um, without really overthinking it. But, um, you know, that might also be very naive of me to be saying that. But that, that's the way that, that we kind of approach it. Yeah. And I guess a, a January marathon means that, like, if that one didn't, you know, go perfectly, you could probably reload before the qualifying period ended. Yes. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So there's still the option for, uh, you know, an, an April or late March sort of thing if you if you really wanted to so um, yeah so yeah so no it's we're excited about it um but yeah obviously the goal is to get the standard um but yeah we'll you know we're not going to be super hung up if, if we fall just shy but i think falling just shy could put us in a, in a good position as well yeah and last question the um the move to north carolina uh like what's the running like there compared to where you've been previously uh, it's pretty good actually. There's a um, there's one main main trail or path um, that goes that's down the middle of um, the three cities that we're we're sort of in, um, and it is I think at the kilometres conversion, it's probably about 36 kilometres long one way, um, and it's amazing. We'll meet at just different points along that. We actually live about 1,200 metres off of it, so. A lot of our runs are done on it, and half of it is is like a gravel path, and the other half is a is a bike path, like a bitumen bike path. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's very handy. Um, there's also, you know, we're very lucky to be able to use the University of North Carolina facilities. Um, they've been they've been very good to us as a group. So, um, you know, we're able to use their track. They've got a one kilometre gravel loop that goes around the track. Um, 
we have access to their gym and an indoor facility and stuff. So we're, we're very lucky to have all of that, which is great. Um, so yeah, so it's, mm. I would say, uh, it's kind of a combination of the setups I've had, like Eugene, we had access to all of the Oregon facilities, which was fantastic. Um, but the running was kind of pre's trail or a long drive out to a, a long bike path. Um, and then in Philly, wasn't really, you know, I, I was training with Marcus, so I, I had sort of limited access to certain Villanova things, but I tried not to get, you know, not to try to abuse that too much because um, he was already, you know, giving me a lot of his time, so I didn't want to be stepping on too many toes there. Um, but, yeah, but probably more similar to the bypass and the trails that we had in Philly where there was, I would say, there was probably more access from your front door in Philly to running and there was a new gene. Um, yeah. And we've got a good combination of both running-wise there. Um, yeah, the only thing that's, that's tough is the summers in North Carolina. Like, it is it is brutal. It's, um, you know, the sun's not as hot in the States, but, God, the humidity on the East Coast is just shocking. Um, so worse, so worse, was, than, yeah. um, worse than Southeast Queensland? I reckon, yeah, honestly. Like, we come back here and there was kind of a, a stretch for the first week we were back where it was it was rough, like, humidity and heat-wise. But we were saying, we were like, look, this is, this is better than what we had in the summer um, in the States, so let's suck it up and, and kind of get through it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun. Um, so we'll uh, – I don't know what we'll do this summer, though, because I know Paris is meant to be, meant to be very humid. Um, so we might try and mix in, you know, some training in North Carolina to as like a heat and humidity camp. But um, I think we'd want to get away from it for a little bit as well, just to just to make sure we can get some quality work in. Yeah, uh, I know I said it was last question, but we love talking about shoes on this uh, show. And yeah. because you were a Nike guy for so long, did it take um, a period of time to get used to Puma shoes, or you managed to slot in fine and and yeah, notice no real difference. Uh, yeah, it did. I mean, they they when I first signed with them, they didn't have a spike. Well, like they had a spike, but it was a, it was a Matumbo sort of level spike. Um, they hadn't really entered the carbon carbon plate game on the track yet with distance stuff. So that was definitely um, you know that was that was a little tricky going from a, a dragonfly back to a non-plated spike um, just for a little bit there, but. Uh, no, honestly, this last round or line of shoes that they've brought out, um, yeah, it, it honestly feels on par to what I've had in the past with, with Nike. I, like the first the first year or so, I think they had a flat that was good, but some of the trainers, they were still figuring out exactly, um, you know, the spikes, they were still figuring out exactly how to get it you know, get the angle of the carbon right and the, the combination of the foam with it and things like that. And running shoes were a little bit bulky and stuff. But this last line has been really good. Um, and my my wife is, is very particular about that stuff and she agrees with me with over the last four or five months or so. Um, so, yeah, no, it is a very exciting time. I feel like there's, we're now at a stage where a lot of companies that, you know, you step on the starting line and, you can have a look across at what everyone's wearing and it feels like a level playing field now, which yeah. is great. Um, so, yes, 
to know the trainers are great, which has been a that's been a big relief for us. Um, the new, they've got a new flat coming out in December or December or January, I think, which we're very, you know, we've been wearing and we love them. Um, and so we're very excited for those to be released. Um, I love the fact that they have a non-plated flat as well, because uh, that was always something that I felt like helped um, with my training was being able to have a, like a streak sort of thing that, um, that you could wear where you're not relying on the plate, your foot's kind of working properly, your lower legs working properly and stuff like that. So they have one of those and they're continuing that, which is, which is you know, that's been a big relief for me. Yeah, they're hard to find now, aren't they, those traditional they just are. racing flats? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I was talking to one of the, the shoe developer guys at him and I was like, keep this, please keep this in. I don't care if you change the foam or things like that, but just don't put a plate in this and keep it going. Um and the spike is good. Yeah, like they, they've got a really good middle distance spike. The distance spike is really good as well. Um, so I feel confident in that going into that effect, which is another big relief. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really good. Yeah, we've been really happy with with the work that they've done to really try and listen to us. They get us to test a lot of shoes and things like that and get feedback, which is great. Um, and we've got a really good group of athletes who were, you know, willing to do that and happy to, to give feedback and be very particular about it, which I think is important, um, you know, to be honest and not just not just be like, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, like, I didn't get hurt today, so it's a good shoe. It's like, no, you gotta you got to actually think about it and look into it and see, all right, does this compare to what what I'm competing against sort of thing. Um, and everyone's been very good at, at giving honest feedback and they've been very receptive to it and I think... Um, you know, this most recent line of shoes that brought out reflects that really well. Yeah. Well, Pat, thank you so much for being generous with your time while you're on holidays. Um, all the best for this weekend and also, I guess, you know, in the lead up to Paris. Um, you're a great ambassador for the sport and I know there's always a buzz around the Australian running community when uh, Pat Tiernan's healthy and, and uh, fit. No, I appreciate it, Brad. It's uh, always great talking to you, mate. Um yeah, we'll see. We'll see what sort of developments I've made in it in two years' time when we're when we're back on it. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to be back, uh, and I appreciate you saying that. It's um, you know, we have a great Australian culture, a great Australian running culture here, and, and the community's been very receptive and uh, welcoming to me, even though I'm based over in the US. So that's always something I enjoy coming back to. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited. So, so thanks again for having me, and we'll, um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see you soon. Yeah, we'll make sure it's not every two years. Maybe, maybe we'll do like a six monthly catch up or a yearly catch up. Yeah, yeah don't, well, let's not make it too too frequent, because then you, then I'll start sounding like a hypocrite when getting all the back and forth that I go through in those two years. So, <laughs> um, but no, I appreciate it, mate. And um, yeah, no, you guys are doing really well. I love love listening to the podcast. Thanks again, Pat. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is powered by Lululemon. With 44 stores across Australia and New Zealand, you can shop the latest range either in-store or online at lululemon.com.au to find your well-being.